Yeah, so what, this is your first time in L.A.? Uh, been in, to San Diego. You want, me to, you want me to fix that for you? No, that's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you were, you tried out for the Seals. Tried out for the Seals. I think I'll be doing that again. Uh, great experience. Totally different game. Yeah, but well, that's a good, here's a good place it. to start. I think usually it takes, sure. like, a, some pre-convo to get into interesting stuff, but that's a good. Yeah, good little segue. I think uh, just the opportunity. Just close to the mic. Just, yeah, just the opportunity of going out there. And uh, I think I didn't really have uh, expectations. I just wanted to learn what the game was all about. Mm-hmm. Totally different game. You yeah. know, totally different game. I mean, Defenses played different, yeah. differently. Uh, very physical. Very physical. Um, not saying outdoor isn't, but this is stuff. I remember like one of my first practices just getting cross-checked right to the back to my knees. You know, I thought <laughs> I broke a rib type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's pretty serious. I, th- I think it's a fact that it's a tougher sport than Definitely. the outdoor game, right? right? It's like, no need to beat around the bush. Right. I, I have so much respect for those guys and hockey guys. I mean, exactly. Those guys are tough. You yes. Know? That's and, toughness to me. And, yeah, I, I like how you – not to take away from the field game. Like, it's not no. that field lacrosse is not tough. It's Absolutely just that that's not. another level of – another level. Physicality. Right. And it weeds out the people who aren't down for that, right? It's like if you could – Absolutely. I think a lot of people don't even go to – training camp because they know that that's like a, a barrier to entry right it's like well, this guy's gonna yeah. cross check absolutely. absolutely i think it's like uh expectations everything is expectations you go in there you gotta expect to be roughing it up a little bit you yeah. know if you go in there careful you're gonna get hurt and that's exactly. just the way it is yeah. so um you either rise to that level or just don't get involved yeah off, offensively to too it's like the violence makes you think and you're just bad. Absolutely. Like, that's how it was for me. Absolutely. I'm, like, thinking about getting hit. Yeah. And then I'm, and then once I got over that hump and just, like, stopped thinking about it, I was yep. able to be mildly successful. But I was never able to be – I never cracked into – I only played one year in the NLL, but I didn't – I wasn't going into the next year thinking that I had it fully figured out. No. You know, I was like, well, you know. And that's, I think that's the best part about it. Like, uh, it forces you to be as instinctual of a player as possible. Yeah. And being my first time out there, I didn't know how to be instinctual, mm-hmm. right? Um, I pride myself on my ability to anticipate uh-huh. a play happening, uh-huh. and I wasn't able to anticipate it right yeah. from the get, at least <laughs> yeah. on the first, at least yeah, on the first practice. No yeah, it's a total different game. Um, all right, so let's uh, – not to – we'll get into the NLL later, and hopefully – I love box lacrosse, so – and I hope you uh, try out again. But let's get – let's uh, just to start things off. I don't think, like – I don't think you are as big a name as you probably deserve to be in lacrosse. You know Appreciate what I mean? So that. I think a lot of people watching this, despite you being far a far better player than a lot of guys and um, a guy that deserves – to be known, I think a lot of people are going to watch this and be like, who's this guy? But I, I would agree with that. Well, yeah, so – and I think for me, before I met you, it was like, you look like an intense dude, but you are an intense dude. So I was like, all right, like, you know, he, you, you kind of look the way you are, but you also have a more so, like softer and more like you joke around a lot. Right? Definitely. Like once you get Definitely. through that, once it, you become friends with you, absolutely, you joke around a lot. So no, is it, like, do you think about that? Do you like, are you, which you're more naturally serious? It's funny. So, but my, my football coach in high school always used to say, uh, "You can smile every once in a while. That'd be cool." If you I, smile, I used to get you know? that too. Right? It's yeah. like, uh, wow! I didn't know I was frowning. I wasn't yeah. frowning. I was just, <laughs> I was what you were saying. I was I was serious. Yeah. I was focused. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, um, 
I wanted to play at the next level. I didn't know exactly the ins and outs of the specific vision or the dream, but I knew that uh, if I stayed a little bit more focused than uh, my prior self or my peers, that I could not not get out, but kind of make it to the next level and separate myself from the pack. So. To answer your question, I've always been a pretty serious dude, mm-hmm. um, but I love to flip that switch to the more empathetic, uh, joking guy. Yeah, uh, and just have field. a good time, yeah, right? It's absolutely. like, I think that goes a long way with getting to, I actually, until you like do some traveling or hang out with someone like after the game, at, whether it be at the bar or just. Oh, absolutely. Just where you're gonna get to see what they're like in a natural environment, in a I more mean, organic be, way. It would be terrible if I was intense uh, off the field, well, you know, the, like all the time. Like, well, I nobody think people hang look at you from the outside are like, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun to hang out with somebody who's like always a, serious. Well, yeah, but the truth is that you're not like that. And it's, it was like, for me, taking the trip to Japan with you, it was like where I got to know you, and I was Same. like, oh, okay. Same. That was, that was awesome. Th- yeah, this guy's he's got it, basically. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of, like, you do leadership work, right? Absolutely. So, so, and isn't a lot of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, if you're constantly trying to improve and you're treating yourself as a project, you kind of have to be more serious, right? It's like, because Absolutely. you're constantly looking at yourself and be finding your flaws and trying to improve which Absolutely. sometimes is not the most jovial activity so like how much of it is intertwined with the leadership that I you mean do? it's such a good question uh, I think it forces you to do a little bit of more of a mirror test all the time yeah. right because I, I am a firm believer in the, in the power of being authentic right even listening to you uh, getting to know you in Japan uh, I know who you are. You're an authentic dude. You're always who you are, no matter where you go. Um, and even though I, f- I flip that switch from serious to uh-huh, yeah. funny and joking, I try to remain authentic, right, and back my words. And um, as I did get into my peak performance business, uh, I was just talking about this the other night. It it forced me to challenge myself a little bit more too, because I wanted to remain authentic. Uh-huh. And if I'm delivering um, an applied sports psychology strategy to someone, well, what am I doing? Am I using it, right? And yeah. It has allowed me to think about um, things in game and off the field and made me a better player and a person. So yeah. I, would, I would definitely say uh, it's leaked into my personal life. Yeah, um, it kind of has to, right? Has it's to. like, definitely. When you're, when you're treating yourself as a project like that, it's, yep. it's not all fun and games, right? right? So it's like, why are you so serious? Well, I'm working on myself and trying to help definitely. others do the same. Right. So, like, just to get into what you do, for people who don't know, like, what do you do for a living? Sure. So the short story is um, after I graduated Yale, I moved to Manhattan and was working in financial services for a couple of years um, and always had this itch to um, chase what I'm doing now. So I run a peak performance business um, based on three pillars, uh, lacrosse training for high school and college athletes, um, mental training, and then uh, physical training. I'm a certified fitness trainer as well. So those uh, three pillars of my peak performance business make it more all-encompassing, right? Not just focusing on sets and reps in the weight room. Um, focusing on uh, watching videos of people that you want to be like, uh, listening to podcasts. And uh, one of the things I use with my athletes all the time is success leaves clues. So who are you paying attention to? Who are you emulating before you can innovate? Uh, something I talk about all the time is um, kind of like jazz. There's always somebody that was listening to other people 
playing exactly like them. And once they listen and practice for such yeah. a long time, you can improvise and become who, whoever you yeah. are or whoever you want to be. Standing on the shoulders um, of giants. But don't innovate before you emulate, right? You can't, right? There's a, there's a way to do things that the right way. Um, and don't add your creativity too soon, right? Yeah. Like, it's almost like pride can make you think that you're right. ready to do like something original. Um, let's just use lacrosse for example. I mean, you're you're filthy with a stick, but uh, how many coaches are telling young players shoot overhand or overhand, just overhand? Well, when I teach lacrosse, it's more about release point, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's coming from your laces or over the top. Yeah, you got to shoot it behind the back every right? time, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All the time around the world. I don't know why yeah. people. Don't but you're right. I, I get where you get. It's that like you need to learn. And like in lacrosse, it's the get the fun. Yes, right. and like that's. I mean, when you hear someone talk about anything, one of the biggest. Like you can hit a real barricade in like sounding or being intelligent, if you say something that you're saying with the enthusiasm as if it's your own idea, but you just right. haven't read the person who wrote it. Right. So it's like, Plagiarism. I mean, it happens in philosophy. <laughs> yeah. If you want to study philosophy, like the main prerequisite is like learn philosophy so right. that you don't get excited about an idea only to find that it is. Not and that applies idea. to any field, but philosophy is like, no one wants to read philosophy, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, Aristotle said that first, but like he did. So right, like did. when you say it with the fire, like you just came up with the original <laughs> idea, check yourself. Yeah. So I like that message that like, what was it? Uh, Emulate until you can innovate, right? Yeah. I that, love that. Yeah, that's... And is that like a, do you have like a, a core saying? Like I know you have those three pillars, but is it like? Uh, I mean, my slogan is emerging to excellence, right? Okay. I feel like um, you're trying to, whatever metaphor you want to use, whether it's animalistic or uh-huh. um, like yeah. a flower, and pulling a flower too soon. No, it has to happen organically, right? Water it the right way. Give it yeah. enough sunlight. I use all these metaphors because um, here's a metaphor that I love. Uh, to use is uh, the easiest way to change your life is to change your inner circle and if you're hanging out with four pigeons that doesn't make you the one eagle it makes you the fifth pigeon so I try to in my training tell people well, you know they call that. me the albino pigeon right? <laughs> I didn't you're hanging that. out with a pigeon I didn't know that. <laughs> that was my dad's nickname for me very endearing where'd you get it the albino pigeon yeah. it's because I'm <laughs> very white and because I used to pick at my food so uh, I was like a picky eater. Now I'm not. I've, I've <laughs> You've grown into an eagle. Maybe there's an eagle yeah, on the other side. Yeah, I guess maybe, uh, maybe I'll get an eagle tatted at some point, but you're hanging out with the pigeon. Um, all right, so uh, when you're in, like, the leadership business or uh, philosophy comes up again, but, like, if you're preaching leadership or preaching a philosophy, which is a way to go about your life to attain a result, okay. you have to do that stuff, right? It's like if you're doing art or... Thing. You don't have to back it up, right? It's like when you're in leadership or you're telling someone how to live their life, you have to do that. Right. So, like, what do you? What time do you wake up? Are what you, time do I wake up? Because I've read some of your blog and I saw that one of the first ones was that you were up at what five? five yeah, five a.m. is usually. Um, you know, it's changed over time because I listen uh, and try to learn, and I, I'm a firm believer in getting your nine hours, so I mean, yeah, that's me important, too, too uh-huh, yeah. you know, and I don't want to totally neglect that because yeah. I care about my develop, my cognitive development, my exactly. muscular development, all that, um, so I don't think it's a matter of the exact time that I wake up. Um, when I was working in Manhattan and had to be at a desk at uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock, yeah. uh, the workouts had to be... You dreaded that alarm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, when you're doing something earlier. you like, the alarm is a pleasant sound. Absolutely. You know, wow, that's a, I like that a lot. Because well, it's very true. It's very yeah, true. Yeah, it's like when you have to go do something you don't want. That's, alarms get a bad rep. It's really your it's routine true. that's quite 
quite messed up. Oh, it's well, well put. And when I was working in Manhattan, it was early wake-ups. You know, uh-huh. I was, at like five? Yeah, at, at like five, yeah. Right, right around five. And I would go to the gym for an hour, hour and a half. And um, always, always, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what good, bad, or however you felt, I, I make it a routine. You know, there's this magical bridge that you can jump um, into desire that I want to do it, I get to do something, but there's a lot of I have to, right, mm-hmm. that leads up to it. So yeah. there's this level of discipline that you have to have for a long time till you're feeling healthier. Now you have enough energy where it becomes the desire to do something. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of always sticking it out no matter how you feel. And then sooner or later, you cross that little magic bridge yeah. into desire where, exactly. oh, I, I want to do it now because yeah. I'm seeing the improvement. Or yeah. uh, And to do otherwise feels like cheating yourself. Cheating yourself, yeah, right? Which is like the main... I think crossing that to where going, whether it be going out and having a good time, it can be detrimental too. Where you, you know, spending time with other people, you could be like, "Well, I should be working." But so you need right. to find the balance yeah. between like genuine and not wasting your time. Right? And, that, so, and that's and that's a that's a good point because I think I feel like a lot of people get guilty about it. They feel like, "Oh, yeah. I should be doing something yeah. right now." Um, always like comparing yourself to something. And you stress yourself out. Stress about yourself it. out. And again, Definitely. you you're into like the the actual not only the words but the health side of it like because if you're doing something working yourself to the point of that stress it's detrimental to like the information or like the physical physical side sinking in like you said get your sleep why do you sleep well because i did all these reps of a thing or learn something and sleep is where it gets integrated into your mind so well put well put and i think a lot of people have um this idea that uh performance or doing something really great just requires all this energy but it's more of uh, reducing your stress and relaxation I know that you're into that as well but a lot of peak performance comes from relaxation and, and reducing your stress in your life not energizing everybody's pretty energized but mm-hmm. um, when it comes to uh, peak performance it's about finding that balance and knowing when to relax and no one yeah. no one not be so anxious about something yeah that, you're you can get locked in that you can, too. You can. You know? I, I use the analogy: Do you have a worm's eye view or a bird's eye view? And if you have a worm's eye view of something, you're making a, something really, really small look really big mm-hmm. in your life, right? And yeah. Meanwhile, if you took a bird's eye view, it's just a little blip in your radar screen. That's it, good, bad, or otherwise, it's going to pass mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Um, so I like don't, the use of metaphors. A lot. Like, you know. I think I think that's I, I think it's both key. yours and as a general yeah, way it's, to it's key get to delivering a message and everything. Yeah, like that. exactly. Um, do you find a, a correlation? This is like a question that I have because do you find a correlation between being at, at mental peak and physical peak? So sometimes like I write a lot, so I will not treat my body well and then I'll have a good writing day the next day or um, I'll have a great writing day and then I won't feel physically strong. Do, right. you, do you find that those two intersect all the time or is it... Yeah, I, I, let me think about it for a second. I think um, when it comes to, uh, it's what you put your mental and physical energy into. So if your energy was at the, the heart of things and you gave energy into all different directions, whether that's writing or going and working out, but you put it in every single direction, you're going to stay in one place and feel stagnant. But if you put kind of your energy into one, two, or three things, you can feel um, uh, a lot more wow, accomplished yeah. and uh, so to answer your question I'm a firm believer in how you do anything is how you, you do everything yeah um, 
But don't put your energy into too many different exa- things. Well, I think you answered, for it, you're saying, if you were my leadership coach, you'd say, Matt, it seems like you don't like working out that much. <laughs> Stick to writing if you're getting in the zone. Yeah, or just or write while you're working out or something. Like, yeah. I, that's what I, a lot of my ideas come when I'm moving, right? I know that sounds weird, but um, even when I was um, brokering in, in New York City, I would get up from my desk just to think about a, a trade idea or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I so. mean, that's, that's cl- like a lot of, of the greatest minds like to walk and that's where revelations come whether it be like scientists or philosophers or like tech moguls right they walk and it kind of puts you in that like thetist like that uh, calm state I I, uh, heard this I don't know where I I, and I want to give credit where I did hear it but uh, in today's classrooms you're growing up and these kids are forced to be in groups looking at each other and what's your idea before you even take time to think about it yourself uh, yeah. and like you were just talking about the greatest minds they went away from society thought for a bit and came back with a new grand of idea course, yeah. but it kind of you either at a young age you're getting uh, your idea suppressed just because somebody's more outgoing or they uh-huh. want to throw their term out there oh this is what yeah. our group stands for and you don't even get to get your voice heard because it's too group group oriented yeah. right whether you're um, extroverted or introverted I think you need to take time to think about what it is you want right there's yeah. and, and stop listening to so much when if you just thought about your own breath and listen to your own mind sometimes you'd come up yeah, with some great for sure. stuff and there's two things there it's that you need time right it's like the person who tries to pitch the great idea in a moment is usually full of shit right they're like we're gonna do this it's like just give us some time and the other <laughs> is to, to isolate yourself is to and that's not all the time but it's to upload information from other people Definitely. whether it be like collaborative or people have done what you've done before and then give yourself some time Absolutely. so it's getting away from the group and taking the time to like and it's not have to, ideas it's not to it. say that you can't be with somebody what, but when you're with somebody how about we just like take time and you're over there you're reading the newspaper <laughs> and I'm over here and I'm listening yeah, to music right have to be. that can be in your presence but we don't need to be battling and arguing and dialogue all the time exactly let's think let's read something and then let's converse about it or something yeah so is that something like say because there's a, pri- uh, 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 a humility in that, too. If, if Being a leadership guy and someone comes to you, yo, Coach Glick, I got a question, and you're the expert, are you like, yeah, I'll get back to you tomorrow? Does that show that you – like, do you do that? Good question. Uh, right away, um, when, I, when I am starting to work with a, a new athlete or client, um, I say – uh, if I use this analogy, another metaphor coming, but if uh, you had a penny and I had a penny and we exchanged pennies, uh, we each still have one penny. But if you gave me an idea and I gave you an idea, we have two with the potential for much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it, about it as teacher-student, right? Some even the people I give advice to are older than me, right? It shouldn't be, uh, but I'm a forever student, so I try to say, Listen, if I don't know the answer, we're going to get it together type of thing. I don't, I don't have this uh, pride that I should know everything. I like um, that. I love having a conversation about it um, and using that analogy of sharing ideas. The movie's going to be better if you're opening up and I'm opening up, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, the, 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 the climax of this movie is going to be really great or the conversation that we're going to have. We're going to come to a realization. If you're willing to get vulnerable and I'm willing to get vulnerable and tell me I don't know something and I'll tell you, oh, well, that I've experienced this before or haven't experienced that. It's kind of a prerequisite for being, uh, like, if you hear about, let's say, a boss or, like, a movie director 
and like it was his way or the highway. He like berated oh, people or that's not attractive to me. No. Our culture seems to like idolize those people. Not all those people get respect for doing that right. in a way that I really don't understand it. Right. It's like it's his way or the highway. I don't want to be on that road. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. I'll go on a different project right. where everyone is. And that's not to say that like collaboration means that everyone's ideas are equally quality right it's like true so it, there's, it's going to be collaborative but if you say an idea and be like yeah it's not you got to filter it right yeah you that's not good it. and then they'll come back with a better one or they'll get fired <laughs> but like that's how it should work <laughs> right. it's, it shouldn't be that only one person's idea comes into the pipeline yeah i think it when it comes to that there's too much managing going on right uh uh, somebody wants to get somebody else to do something, tell them what you want and let them surprise you with how they do it, right? And I'll, of course, give them some advice or direction if they ask for it and uh, follow up with them and say, I've done this before and this is how I did it. But don't try to micromanage. Tell them what you want out of them yep. and then micromanage them every step of the way because yeah, then, then exactly. they just feel like they let have no... Let them meander to the whatever right. finish line they're going to get to. Right. Of course, there needs correction right along the yeah, way. Yeah, that's don't why they go. hire you, you know? Exactly. So uh, right, here's a question that I didn't previously think of but that's popping into my head now what um you so you deal with a lot of kids that are trying to get recruited and whatnot and i've where you might be i was definitely before the era where it got like crazy like where they're looking at you as an eighth seventh and eighth grader and where eighth and seventh graders are asking me like i want to go here you know like that was not a, a thought that it was it was the more organic thought where it's like i watched college lacrosse and like kyle harrison and mikey powell and i I wasn't like, I got to get to Hopkins, and they're looking at me now. Right. It was more of this organic thing that now kids are asking me before they know. They, they literally don't know how to make – they don't know what Doritos they want. They're <laughs> like, and they're like, should I go to Hopkins or should I go here? Yeah. It's like you don't know, and it I don't crazy. know either. So do you, are you dealing with that? Are you dealing with, like, yes. kids that age? Definitely. I, I, well, to answer that question, um, I got this from Dr. Horn. Um, at Montclair State, he talks about the skill development of, and I promise this will come back um, to answer your question. He talks about the skill development, um, how there's three levels to it. There's play, practice, and then deliberate practice. Um, and that play has to happen up until like eight years old, let's say, where give them a soccer ball, don't even tell them there's a goal, let them learn how to dribble it. Then there's practice. Okay, those are the, there, there's a goal over there and there's a goal over there, and that's the objective is to score that goal. And that happens eight to 12. And then right around 13, 14, 15 years old is when you implement the deliberate practice. Okay, now the technique of keeping your shoulder down when you kick that ball, right? You really, if you do that too early. You pigeonhole them. You pigeonhole them, right? You, you pigeonhole a pigeon, right? Uh, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> that never happened to me. I did not listen, so. No, but to answer your question is I think uh, – as recruiting is becoming more and more saturated with athletes that want to go play at the next level with a limited amount of spots, uh, the athletes that I'm that I'm working with, there's a cutoff. I'm not going to work with somebody who's too young. It's just not it's not right for me. It's not yeah. right for them. Um, there's sports like tennis and, and and golf where I think the 10,000 hour rule comes into a, um, is applicable a little bit more just because it's individualistic and yep. it's not team oriented. But stay stay a multi 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 sport athlete because um, I think me being a football player and a lacrosse uh, basketball player made me a better lacrosse player. Right, the spacing and team oriented, and um, now I'm playing defense very similar to basketball in terms of sliding and everything but not to get too off course to answer your question is 
I try to relieve the younger athletes I, I, I work with with the pressure that something needs to happen right now. You yeah, know, like, and that's um, beyond whether or not this is like our kids physically ready. It's like for your stress levels and what you ought to be thinking about at that age, where you're going to college isn't on the list, right? Yeah. So it's like beyond any of the, well, this would be a good fit or yeah. what I think about the lacrosse side. It's like that's too grand scheme of a thought to have at that age, yep. and it's detrimental to like the development of your mind. Yep. And you start setting these bars for yourself. That I mean, let's be honest: sports are competitive. You're a larger percentage are not going to reach that goal. Yep, sure. And that's not a very like. It's, that's it's just the just reality the of the reality. world. Yeah. So and then, the earlier you have someone set this bar, if they're in fifth grade, I want to go here. It's like, yeah, don't think about that. Right. Don't not want to go there. Sure. But don't set that as a concrete bar that the statistics of our planet are saying you're not going to arrive sure. at. So it's like, don't, it's just too big a burden to think about. So that's when kids ask me, and God bless their soul for insulting <laughs> me, it's usually relatives, but I just tell them that. I tell them, don't think about it now. But sure. they, they're, the pressure around them and other kids committing, they don't seem to take that advice this is a big topic you know goal yeah. setting uh because where do you want to be um to be a high caliber performer uh -huh. is in the present moment the best way to increase your performance or mood is to get back to the present moment right which is really really hard to do yeah um but here's a quote for you that i love to talk about all the time the probability of an outcome happening increases when you let go of the need to have it uh -huh. Like if you're if, chasing if, it, you're if, if, if I had a, a sand in my hand and I squeezed all the sand, some would slip out, right? Rather than me just just letting it go, you know, focusing on right now. What can I do right now? I talk about in goal setting. Well, let's have action steps to get there. Let's uh, let's focus on the present moment and doing yeah. the right things. Where what that mean? Crush this homework assignment right now. Uh, worry about that test on Friday if you're talking about a student yeah. in high school, mm -hmm. right? Rather than of course, take the 20 minutes to write down all your goals, have a big dream, and, and it'll correct it as it goes, uh, that you should take time for that. Um, but most of your life should be focusing on the present moment yeah. and, 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 I'm and, and setting I'm always time for uh, taken aback, and I don't want to say impressed, but when an athlete hits like a game winner or other things, and then they get interviewed, or well, what were you thinking out there? And they actually have a sequence of things that were happening. Like, well, I saw Johnny in the corner, so I spun. And like, because when I have had any success, like athletically or ideas wise, I have no idea how I arrived. At it. Like, it's what you're saying. Right. I was just in it. And that's what led to my own success. So like if when I would explain like how I did a shot or like a move, it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's individual to me or if other people really are like Johnny's in the corner spin. Oh, my God, Derrickson. I threw it to him because for me, that's not how it. That's not how it works. It's, so, all, it's entirely cheek, cheek sent me high zone stuff. Right. But, but there's a spectrum here. You're talking about that flow state, that yes. just. Yes. The uh, shout out to Dr. Rob Gilbert at Montclair State University. His number one word in applied sports psychology is just, right? Nike, Nike just do it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. You, we had discussed you, it. You yeah. just said when you're asked how you do that stick move, I don't know, just happened, right? When players interviewed after a game winner, you hear the word just all the time. Yeah. Um, and it, it comes to sinking to your levels of training, right? And I, I, I don't like when I hear somebody try to explain, oh, this is the way it happened. I was thought, thinking about it the entire time. I, I wanted that to happen. No, you were more instinctual about it and you just let yeah, the game come to you and you've been there before in practice or yeah, whatever exactly. and you were able to make a play. Yeah. Um, 
just because you were in the moment there. I think that applies too to like good ideas. Like say you're right or working on, I just use the lens of writing because I do it a lot. Like if you're working on something creatively, there are like, you know, a lot of it is stepping back and like, okay, how am I going to make this story work? If you say it's a piece of fiction. But the actual initial ideas, you didn't arrive at by, like you said, squeezing the sand. You're yeah. just like on a walk or something. Right. And it's not a new thing to say that, that like don't chase an idea and it's going to like land on your lap. But that's how it works. And then you step back and you try to make different ideas what, like weave together. Well, it goes but, back to what you said about time, yeah. right? That was a great point that you made before about like taking the time to just let things come to you rather yeah. than be like, why do I not have the answer right now? Why, why yeah. can't I think of it? What a, just take some time. Exactly. It'll, it'll come to you. you yeah. know? And, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know if you know who Sam Harris is. He's like a philosopher, writer type of... I know that. He's a respected mind by some people. Um, very smart guy. But someone asked him like, how do you get like acquire so much knowledge he's so smart and so uh his re opinions are always so thought out and rational and so mm -hmm. he's a guy it's like yo how do you learn so much and he was like i just upload information meaning podcasts books audiobooks and then i take time to, to to think to myself mm -hmm. and then i get good sleep it's like th that's like the formula it, right. even if you are looking to create your own organic ideas, uploading that those ideas of others to be pieces of your own story is like, if you're not willing to admit that that's part of it, like people are like, yeah, I did this all on my own, no one influenced oh, me. Well, you're naive boy. to think that. Yeah. Like that happens subconsciously, whether or not sure. you're actively taking in information. Right. But. You know, that comes to just observing more. You know, there's, there's nothing that can replace the power of observation when you're a little kid trying to learn something or whether you're even an adult uh, just listening at a dinner table rather than being the one that's dominating the conversation. Just observing and listening a little bit more um, and taking in all those ideas. That, I mean, you got to beware of the person that's the quietest in the room because when they say something, it's going to probably be profound and it's not going to yeah. be drowned out. It's with like a in Waiting, the movie Waiting, where he blows up on every... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The person who's... well. You know, not everyone who's quiet has sure. phenomenal ideas, but a right. lot of times it's the person who's been listening and observing listening. that's going to... Absolutely. Um, so here's something I wanted to ask you. Do you ever, like, you're a lacrosse player that went to Yale, and so am I. And, like, sometimes that just, like, sickens me, like, the stigma of it and, like, oh, you played lacrosse, which is this, like, Ivy sport, sure. and you went to Yale. So I usually just refrain from discussing any of that. Sure. But when it comes down to it, like, that is those are two large pieces of my history and right. my story. Is that, so, like, do you think about that? Is that something that, or is that is that more like, yeah, I went to Yale because I strived as a student athlete and got there, and yeah. I You know I, what I mean? I, I like, definitely, how, is that something that you think about? I think you and I can both attest to the fact that Yale and Yale lacrosse has made us who we are in some fashion way or another, um, but I am, definitely slow to, uh, to let people know that where I went to school or I kind of uh, want to have a more organic conversation with people mm -hmm. but it really has made me who I am so I, 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 I love it and I'll, I will never introduce myself as hi I'm Yale and yeah. do you have I it on your Mark. social media profiles um, it might, might have recently just come off and I, I know it's still on my, my Twitter Yale I like alum, that I like the but, um, uh, but that's a like like you said I like it to I, I, I don't care if it doesn't come up or if, like I don't care where you went, where people went to school, right? It's like it never. 
that whole system never really that thought system never really made sense to me because there was no correlation between whether or not I, I liked the person and thought they were smart and where they went to school. Right. Same thing with salaries and money. Sure. It's like, well, I don't like he's not cool or like sure. I don't like his ideas. Like right. I'm not too interested in so right. at an early age I I I didn't care as much about that, but you being like a, a Yale athlete, right? Of course, most of your people in your grade or that you went to school with are off at high paying jobs sure. that are more traditional than doing yeah. lacrosse and leadership. I, I think it, there's two sides to it, right? I could talk about with my Yellow Cross buddies about Yellow Cross until we're blue in the face, but uh, there's another side to it where you're right. Uh, I don't like to talk about it. It's just a, a part of who I am and it always will be. Um, but there's no need to gloat about it or anything like that. Uh, it's yeah. more about knowing, you, knowing where you went and uh, how you got there. How you got there. And I, when you don't bring it up or like cram it down people's throat, and then it be, then I like the person, right? And I, they, oh, I see them as having the merits that got them there, as opposed to getting those merits to tell me about it. Sure. I mean, right? there's a lot to be said to getting to that school and playing for that program, right? You did a lot, right? And um, but you're absolutely right in, in saying that it shouldn't be the first thing and, and it shouldn't be the first couple things that you guys talk about in a conversation. Yeah. Hopefully it comes up later down the road in some way and, and you're talking about a story in which it, your life was changed by uh -huh. some experience that happened um, at Yale or yeah. with Yale. And there's the obvious irony that we are two people from Yale yeah. we're us now discussing and telling people that that's who we are. Right. So people are, that's call outable. But did you get good grades at Yale? Uh, yeah, I graduated. You don't have to like, like give your GPA, but yeah. I'm just curious. Like, were you academically inclined? Did Definitely, you? Okay. I, I wasn't like uh, Ben Reeves. You know, Ben mm -hmm. Reeves is yeah. A well, he's next level medical student, right? Yeah, he's, I think he's going to medical school at Yale now. Um, but he probably missed a few of those parties that you're at, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's a great, he's a great all-encompassing dude. You know, all, he did it all, all. all around. Yeah. He, um, yeah. If, if you're listening, let's get you on the podcast, Ben. Yeah, come on, man. Um. um do yeah so but I did well I did well definitely I was focused okay. yeah and, yeah that's uh, all you need I, I was more looking to like I, I didn't do as well <laughs> academically I didn't do poorly but I it's just something I like to figure out whether or not people chased it academically there Matt I don't think uh, enough people realize how bright of a mind you are you know I, it, well I, you, unfocused at the time but yeah, regardless well, but focused on lacrosse focused on you know what I mean whatever and you wanted how to, right whatever whatever made you my income to. Um, if you want to look at it that way. But um, so when I arrived at school up in New Haven, we were not a nationally, you know, the last time the team was nationally recognized was, I think, and I don't want to misstate, but like early 1990s was mm -hmm. when they were a very prominent program. Yep. And then when I got there, it was 2009, and we won, I think, one game, one league game, and I don't know what our record was, but we definitely were not what the behemoth that the program is now. Um, so what was that? Like when you came in, what year? You came in the year after I left, yeah, 2013. I mean, that, that is crazy. You know? What was the idea? Were you, did you guys think you were good? Like we won the Ivy League <laughs> tournament that year and went to the, to the um, NCAAs. But for me, that was like full circle because we, like I said, didn't start out too hot. Mm -hmm. And then the year that my brother was captain, 2010, mm -hmm. we started to do a bit better. And then by 2012, like we, we were just like clawing at people being like, oh, yeah. Yale's pretty good. 
but like when you rolled in, what did you think the there team was, was? There was a standard that was set. You know, I don't think we were the behemoth. No, not even close to the behemoth we but are now. Yeah, but there now was a standard. There was a standard in terms of the culture um, that was already made. It what like you and your brother, um, those years were, were creating it. You know, you could say you weren't a part of it. Oh, but, no, 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 I'm saying like a, he was a, a captain of the team and I, I, on the field, I did my part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and but I, I remember being um, at prep school and I, uh, you guys had lost a game on a Tuesday and I think that, yeah, that Tuesday game that. changed. I think that Tuesday game changed from what I heard um, and now listening even more when I was there, and it changed everything. The path of Yellow Cross losing just one game uh, on a Tuesday. I was like, did they really just drop it? Who was it to? Like a Sacred like Heart or? Hartford. Yeah, Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart. Yeah, Sacred Heart yes. um, in overtime, and the game you guys should have never dropped. And I was like, wow, I, I, I wasn't expecting that. I was following it as much as I could on whatever that was. It was in. Well, that was what we we were like that that 2010, 11, 12. We were good, but we would like we could lose to anyone, but we could beat anyone. <laughs> that was, and then it took the turn around like a few years ago, where that would be an unthinkable loss for us. That was very much in our wheelhouse. I think uh, the the team has turned into a Division One football team playing lacrosse in terms of their athleticism and physicality, you know, and yeah. that allows you to have losses that are unthinkable just yeah. because of the caliber so, of, yeah. the, of the is that player. is that something like th- that was not a thing when i was there no. right like we had people of all sizes and it guys happened who my junior year like no offense to guys but like the team a lot of us wouldn't have made the team now do you know what i mean so it's like the program has risen so much that just 2012 to probably 2016 at least half the guys aren't on the roster. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. The talent level has gone through the roof. I, I agree with that, and um, that's a was there a turn? Was there a turn while you were there where it was like the switch from like solid to okay? Where like what was your guys' playoff scenarios? Let let let. Well, I would just say, like I said, there was a standard in the culture um, that comes from uh, Coach Andy Shea all the way through in terms of the physicality and uh, the peak performance from a physical standpoint that goes a lot to coach thomas newman coming involved getting involved and he, half, he, halfway through my my time okay at, at, yeah, he's yeah. strength coach strength coach okay. yeah i think um he's one of the best in, in the country in terms of uh knowing how to handle an athlete uh, knowing what he needs customizing workouts um to make sure uh that that athlete is going to flourish in their own realm you know you shouldn't make the same guy have to do the same thing if they have a different stature stature i mean i would never put you exactly on, on yeah like make you squatting yeah, what no, a defender it, was exactly right yeah. um and you, you look at these athletes that we have now a lot of them are more lamborghini-esque than than they were in the, in the past and uh-huh. it Coach Newman does a great job of fueling that Lamborghini mm-hmm. the right way. What vehicle would I be on the? Um, I'd probably be like a Prius, but an 07. That's what I drive. <laughs> I'll be. I'll take that. Like it, it makes some funky like noises sometimes, like, you know, but it gets by. It's, you know, it's like the, the, you, you are. You look like your dog or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you ever yeah. seen that? Um, but I'd like the analogy of a, guy, a person in their car. You yeah, know? It's the, like, the, and that's what I was. I was banged up a lot in my Prius? career. A Prius, really? Yeah, eco friendly. Like some mechanic. Yeah, eco friendly. So I mean well, that's but like I got some mechanical problems. Definitely. Yeah. But um, when you press the gas and you merge onto a highway, are you just staying slow lane or? No, I. So I, that's the thing. I have a gear. <laughs> Once I'm HOV, that thing's got HOV. Does it go pads. sport or something? Once it's game be. time, I'm good. Yeah. You know. Um, did you? Do you know what who the crit is? Ooh. 
Yeah, that's uh, something that's a walker throughout uh, New Haven, right? On well, yeah, it's a on, term that seems to have lake, picked right? up on the in the yell across culture. But the original crit <laughs> was a shadowy figure that the fraternity house that we lived in supposedly someone was like in the hallways at night. And the rumor was started by a kid named Colin Stills, a dear friend of mine, while he had concussions. So we were kind of poking fun at him, like, oh, yeah, you were seeing stuff. He's like, I saw a pant leg at my door. And we were like, sure you did. And then Xbox controller, things start disappearing. We're like, all right, maybe there is a crit. And then one day I wake up, 6 a.m., I think it was before our pen game, because my door, you had to jiggle it. So I heard, like, the doom. So I open my eyes, and I just see half a face behind my Stop. door. Yeah. Stop. So I go like this. And Did then you get it, concussed at practice the night it before? Did, no, this, the crit was real. <laughs> crit was real. And then, so the crit, so I got up, and the crit scurried off and went down the block. And then one night, it, it did a big robbery of <laughs> multiple laptops and, like, Almost a thousand. Cash went from or crit something. to criminal, right? Crit yeah. So that day. was when the crit went from a mere phantom to an actual figure. figure. But I'm, I heard that the team is still saying crit, and I've heard other people use it, and they don't even know the etymology. I'm like, yeah, you don't even know the crit. Right. It's like philosophy terms that we exactly. talked about before. Yeah, you don't just, even know. Just just so I just wanted like, to see if you knew who the crit I, I was. Do, right? I do. Right. It came to me that I knew that that. There's you, more to that story that I won't still, get into. But you can get into it. <laughs> well, one night we come back and there's this other <laughs> this night. other uh, shady character on our porch, which if anyone knows New Haven, it's not that abnormal. No. So we were like, what's up? We were coming back from, you know, having a good night and we wanted to go have fun in the mulch. So they store the campus mulch across the street from this house. That, that article that you wrote about the mulch and it being one of the best things that you it's know, it's Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, so the, that's where they stored the campus mulch this figure that was on the porch was like, yeah, I'll come. It was a, you know, a, who knows, a stranger. Was but it the crit? It wasn't the no, crit, wasn't but we, I was, it didn't cross our minds. We went over to the mulch to have a little party in the mulch. You know, sure. you sit in the mulch, you burrow in it, have a couple of drinks. And this figure <laughs> came over with us and was like getting in the mulch. She was into it. Why would you be into mulch? A, that's on us. But B, why would this person come with us to the mulch? And then while she's with us, we see something scurry out of the house. Wow. So that's when the big robbery happened, and we realized that the, the person that was with us and came to the mulch was the lookout. So when she was like, oh, yeah, the mulch, like, get away from the house. Yeah, come on, let's go. Oh, wow. And then that's when the crit made its big robbery. That's crazy. Yeah. So the Crit ever get caught? Or? No. Wow. Yeah. She was, I mean. Very successful. And then we found out that he or she, would, you know, ambiguous what who this was, we locked all the doors, but it was coming in through a, a small window above the dryer in the basement. We saw little footsteps oh, on wow. the dryer. Yeah, so it was some CSI. That's, that's some great length to get what they what It they is. Want, no, I know? was like, respect. You got to respect But that. after that, we always, you, know, you open your door, you got to lacrosse it. Like, the crib was a, a lurking figure. Right. Always a danger. All right, let's get back on track here. You're a defensive. <laughs> I thought that was track. You're I a we, <laughs> we like this wormhole. You're a defensive midfielder, which we ha actually haven't said yet, but a question I have is I've always been, like, good friends with D-middies in general. Like, I, I like them. Um, I like usually their personalities. And do you think that – so if you're a college D-middie or pro D-middie, you've been a D-middie for a while. Do you think that the position is humbling in a way that it breeds that type of person, or do you think hum humble people go into that field of D-middie? Wow, great question. Um, 
I think both. I think yeah, it has so to it's be a- both. Just because I've had times in a game where I'm like, wow, I really wish <laughs> I didn't do this position. I'm physically exhausted. I don't want to be here. I don't want to have to get back in the hole again. I always say, like, sometimes better taking uh, running four miles than taking four long dodges off the top because the ball's spinning and then it's coming right back at you again. We get picked on, and uh, you got to be up for the challenge, right? Yeah. You got to be up for the I challenge. Mean, hands down. Well, I don't want to speak definitively, but the maybe the best athletes on the team, right? And the most that you the most open to exposure. Right. I think everybody has a role on the team, obviously. Uh, but if I don't keep myself in physically top shape, I'm not going to be able to do my role at, at the very, very uh, peak um, that I that I want and, and love to play at. Uh, not necessarily for everybody else, right? I, how many players have you played with that weren't physically in shape and just played uh, whether it was crease attack or? You're looking at one, buddy. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. But you don't need to be able to yeah, it's like get a up and down. Yeah, baseball, you know? Exactly like, right. This guy's Mariano. getting paid how much? Exactly yeah, right. He's eating lays in the dugout in the eighth inning. But, he's to, making- but to answer your question, I think it, it – like feeding into that, I remember being uh, like a freshman, sophomore at, at, at Yale and being like, okay, I'm going to go all in on this, you know? And it comes with a – I didn't know kind of what I was getting myself into yeah. when it, it takes watching more film. It takes – being uh, more because you're an attack physically conditioned, school, right? Yeah, ex attack like ex attackman, ex attackman in high school. Oh my god, I mean, I, what a tale! Yeah, I think it. And then I went to Deerfield and I was a kind of more of a workhorse midi coming off the wing now. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, midi man down defense, the whole bit. And uh, I was sprouting physically uh, when I was an ex attackman, or most of my time as an ex attackman, I was a thin but really athletic kid mm-hmm. and then as I went to prep school and, and got bigger um, it allowed me to take on that workhorse mentality and, mm-hmm. and kind of do you t- uh, are you what do you eat what's your diet like Ooh. is that is do you integrate that into your leadership like if a kid shows up I'm drinking not. a slurpee do you slam it it's on the huge. ground and yeah, no I don't do that um, you definitely there's times when you deserve a slurpee of course right? but I'm um, saying verbally spike it you know like you shouldn't be doing that. You should drink this. You should, like, how much do you, do you teach them about well, diet? I, yeah, of course. And I think the athletes that I work with know that if they like disappoint me, they don't want to disappoint themselves yeah. or me or anything uh-huh. like that, right? And those that time where um, if you worked hard enough, you go get that two thousand calories of Chipotle or, or um, crush a pie a pie pizza. Uh-huh. Um, but I definitely talk about it. Um, it's serious in my life in terms of yeah. What do you? What do you um, eat? I'm big into fasting in the morning. I fast a lot in the morning. You ever try like a ketogenic diet? Definitely tried it. You know, what do you think? I liked it, but I don't think it's for me. I think having after a huge workout where I'm kind of a more fast twitch athlete, I think carbs are huge. I think they're really, really important to my Mm -hmm. performance. Uh, And then I have my best friend uh, Anka Tezjohn, who's a top ten percent Ironman athlete. Mm -hmm. It's perfect for him. You know, because oh, does he do a ketogenic diet? As best as you can, because you know? yeah, they say for as slow long distance, slow long distance, it's yeah. it's critical. I think it's huge because your your body gets used to tapping into your fat as a resource of fuel for fuel. Exactly, and which is a cleaner. I he mean, calls I, me I a sugar burner sometimes, a sugar burner because it's like yeah, but there's also you know there's not as many studies into the long term implications of a ketogenic diet, and it's very restrictive and. But beyond the 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 um, performance benefits that he might be seeing, I'd I'd be curious to has he been 
experiencing cognitive benefits. Yes, and more so in one area. He doesn't feel that crash, right? Uh-huh. There's a huge... You crush a hoagie at 12 o'clock noon. Um, I ate one just before this. It's no wonder you're so tired. Yeah, no, but I'm so no, dialed. no. Uh, there's a crash that comes at like 2 p.m. Yeah, you know, because that of that. Yeah. yeah. So that's the biggest thing. And that stems into him being more mentally sharp uh-huh. because he doesn't have that crash, right? He, yeah. he stays uh, a little bit more even keel yeah. rather than this it's, roller coaster. It's also coaster. an interesting, like, so if, you're, if your life is an Ironman athlete or whatever I, I read some of your blog which for viewers mark has a blog what caliber it's called caliber.blog caliber.blog and i read most of them but your roommate who is this iron man athlete writes some of them too absolutely so, so we have a virtual vitamin that we send out every saturday yeah, I signed kind up. Of awesome yeah yeah we just try to add value as best we can and don't take up too much of your time but give you some nuggets that hopefully you can carry with you so yeah. i have the caliber.blog um, I have my own website, marklesini.com, and then by Virtual Vitamin that comes out, Anka and I's Virtual Vitamin, just given whether it's nutritional advice or um, experiences that we had, sharing a story that mm-hmm. you know that you probably are going to be moved by a little bit because it's different. And it's, and it's usually, if it's an Anka scenario, it's usually something that was like drastic in terms of going in an extra mile um, uh-huh. for, for, for something. I, I, just to share a little bit of a story of the kind of guy he was. He was just up in Middlebury, Connecticut. Um, How old is he? Sorry. He's 25. Okay. And he was doing a half Ironman. Um, and on the bike part of it, which is 56 miles, about mile 28, um, he popped a tire and it didn't work out. And they wouldn't, you're not allowed to run without your bike. So he has those clipped on shoes that you use for the bike. And he ran 22 miles with the bike barefoot. Uh, and before starting his 13.1 in the back end of it. Wow. And just goes to show yeah. those type of stories. I'm like, you got to share that. Yeah, you know? I mean, I'm, I personally need footage. I don't believe it. <laughs> but it's one Please. of those stories where no, like, it's, it, it, that's right. so impressive. It's so that, like, impressive. But uh, being around him and, 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 and sharing stories and talking about, okay, what lengths are you going, right? Because he, he forces me to be a little bit more extra in uh-huh. terms of yeah. going the extra mile in my training because that – that's inspirational by every 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 and measure. it's also to to have him as like a consultant almost is like you you don't he's pushing himself physically to a point that he can notice small dietary changes Ooh. affecting his performance oh. like you could eat a hero before a lacrosse game and you there might be marginal difference but when you're doing a marathon or whatever he's doing sure. you actually see like dietary changes sleep changes having these very minute effect on your or large effect sure so like let's let's talk about i mean it's an elephant in a lot of rooms when you talk about performance like let's talk about alcohol like uh, Mm -hmm. when you he's uh he goes sober getting ready for these big uh like iron man he's doing lake placid in uh 10 days from now so it's is there anyone that can do that level of endurance exercise and be consuming alcohol at a high quantity do you know what i mean no it really leaks into your yeah, workout because like i mean he has a six-hour bike on a saturday yeah you're it's not like, no you're not doing that hungover no. but what i want to get to is like having one or two glasses of wine uh won't change your heart rate before you go to bed or you know when uh you wake up and you've had like over two glasses of wine and you uh 
are hot, it's because your heart has changed, it's beating, it's beating uh-huh. out of order. And it's you, working. Right, it's working when it shouldn't be, right? You should be resting heart rate, you should be sleeping. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one or two, you know, and it won't mess up his heart rate, which uh-huh. really stems into the next day on how tired you feel yeah. or how and it, the, it's, it leaks into you right, the next the, day. It's the REM sleep, right? If you consume over a certain amount, you don't it enter just deep REM. It just gets messed up. Yeah, so it's you messed don't. Up. You don't recover. You don't recover, right? And then that will leak into the next day. He's the best guinea pig you could ever room with. Not, I mean, this is look seems selfish in your regard. I know you guys (laughs) have like an organic friendship, right? As a consultant on things like that, I like like that you're calling him consultant because he really keeps me honest. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I had two glasses of wine. My heart rate was the same. Like, who are you gonna consult that's checking their heart rate? Like at night. And he is on on his Garmin watch. Yeah, so he's treating himself as a guinea pig in a way, and you get access to that. And like you said, you hear him pounding the pavement, and you're like, I better get up. Well, it's like the same Sam Harris thing that you talked about before, right? I'm willing to just listen to everything that he does, right? Uh Even though it's a totally different sport, right? That's so long distance, has nothing to do with running um, these up and down dashes, right? It's, it's, I mean, He's going to try to, he's not going to try to, he's probably going to um, be right around that 10-hour mark, right? I mean, when's the last time somebody's worked out 10 hours in a week? Mo- most people working out 10 hours in a week, he's doing that in a day in an Ironman. So it's um, no yeah, short of impressive. And, uh, yeah. And his, you, he's a mental consultant as well in that there's no two ways about he's putting himself through more physical and mental challenge than it any other sports, right? You know what it creates? It creates a compared to what mentality. Right? Does he like David Goggins? Is he a Goggins fan? Yeah. Or is he a I think too? he's into it. He's into it, right? Uh-huh. But that's more commonplace from his me- mindset, right? The reason why I can't hurt me, that book is, is so uh, liked or disliked is because of how far and great lengths David Goggins has gone and goes right but he goes that way you it, well, know? That when he, you go that see, far this is looping like, back into what we talked about earlier you get um self-help writers or um motivational speakers and the first question for me is always like okay what what do you do like do you just do these lectures because then you're an expert at giving lectures but right. how do you apply this in your wider life right. which is like you said before what we touched on before for you to actually live the challenges that you're trying to teach these kids, you have to do that. Matt, you know what's crazy is, uh, again, Dr. Gilbert says this, people don't believe what you say, they believe what they do. So that's hard, right? I can motivationally speak or give them an inspiring video, but at the end of the day, they don't believe what I say, they believe what they do, and how do you get them to do that action and realize the power of momentum, which is the most powerful thing in the world, by the way. Momentum of once you do it the first day, then in a week, how are you feeling? Then in, in two weeks, how are you feeling? Um, people drastically um, underestimate how much they can do over the long period of time, but they drastically overestimate the much, how much they can do in a day, right? Mm-hmm. How many people, I haven't worked out in two weeks, therefore I'm gonna go to the gym for three hours and then they're sore for three days. It's like, no, just take it day by day, do it in small doses, it's easier that way. Uh, so the power of momentum is, is, I think, one of the most powerful things in terms of if you wanna, if you have a goal that's down the road, we'll get started with the, with the, the tiny little tidbits that can yeah. lead you, to something are you, more impressive um, down the road. Like in terms of aspirations for your leadership business and the business is the second part. You do it because you like to do it and you're trying to figure out how to make money. Love to do it. Yeah, love to do you, it. you love to do it. And now you've turned it into a business. And do you have aspirations to 
mentor non-athletes? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because and it's it starts niche, right? Um, what yeah. am, what am I an expert there at? What are you an expert at? We're experts at lacrosse, right? So I can stay in that lacrosse world and teach these people that want to emulate great athletes or great mm -hmm. lacrosse players. And yeah. I stay in that. And now um, like I'll, I gave a speech to a high school volleyball team. You know, that was different for me, right? Yeah. That was branching into a new sport. But that's just the, the small steps to getting outside of sport and exactly. just talking about... Um, leadership and, and goal orientation mm -hmm. and outside of sport, right? Because sport is a vehicle. Lacrosse is a vehicle that um, makes or breaks you and changes you, right? But uh, I'm reading a book right now that I told you about sport and spirituality, right? That sport is a vehicle and everybody has their own sport, whatever that might be, right? That, that, that they love to do to get away, mm -hmm. whether, it's, whether it is going to the gym or scrolling reading or Instagram, writing, scrolling like through that, Instagram, yeah. art, you know? Most of it's scrolling through Instagram. Yeah, well, more, the high, it's becoming that. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you were to move outside of it, would it be, like, general leadership? Because, you know, there's obviously, like, corporate coaching and, like, yep. coming into college teams. So the sports jump is obvious because of the parallels. Mm -hmm. So it's like a volleyball team. Yeah, you didn't play volleyball, but the adversity is synonymous with what we see in lacrosse. Right. When Are you, like, if you were to mentor a young CEO or something like that are you are you would you like to do that absolutely and, and is that go, go ahead. ahead so basically when it comes to leadership um, I was at a Harlem lacrosse event um, and one of the speakers said leadership can be summarized in three words vision culture legacy and you can't worry about the third like the outcomes that we were talking about with the sand you can't worry about that you have to do the first two really really well right have a vision of what you want to do and then worry about the culture well vision culture legacy that second word can be changed to character if we're talking about the individual but if you want to change your relationship you want to change your business um and, and mm -hmm. like you were talking about do i want to speak to a ceo and talk about how he can change his character the authenticity of his character and that will help the culture and we can talk about both um, and I do want to get into that and I will get into that in terms of leaving sport and helping businesses uh -huh. thrive through one individual characters everybody if you increase yourself a little bit it'll, it'll help the whole exactly yeah. rising tide well said and then uh, ultimately it's about changing the culture and then mm -hmm. kind of uh, I'm a little bit I want to even go further than that and, and, and change the school of thought on a, on, a, on a few things in terms of how culture should even be looked at, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about before um, when I speak to people, is it more conversation-based or is it more me teachy-teachy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it is more conversation-based. It has to do a lot to do with empathy. It has a lot to do. There's no pride here, right? The pride is, pride will get in the way of any leader, right? If Oh no, we're gonna go with my idea rather than listening or being able to adapt and everything. Yeah, you like gotta that. listen, you and then at listen. the end you go with your idea. Right. But <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much right now. I should be listening. Now, actually, one of the the speaking of self analysis in watching the first two podcasts I did, I was like, damn, I'm like interrupting these people quite a bit. <laughs> but it, it's really a prideful okay. thing because then I like listened to what what I said after I interrupted. And I was like, well, it's pretty good thought. <laughs> so it's like. Finding the balance Finding between, the balance. which is applicable to, like, like you said, leadership in general. If you don't know about a sector or a business or anything, right? So a team, mm -hmm. 
so much of it is of the of the tension or lack of success or the issues that people are having are not like pertinent to that business, right? Sure. It's like, well, uh, who's your coworker over there? Oh, that's you know, Ronnie. It's like, well, what the, what's going on with you and Ronnie? Well, he does this and this and this. It's like, have you told have you talked to him about oh, it? No. Nah. Well, it's like, so it's really about people to people, which Absolutely. which is what makes a team sport yep. athlete like you're primed to jump into anything. Right, like, there's like a little segue there. Um, communication uh, leads to trust, and then trust leads to commitment. So as long as you're open and honest, even if you're saying like, I hate you, at least you're communicating something, right? Rather mm -hmm. than letting it boil and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. a lot of the culture, whether it be on a lacrosse team or in a business, uh, or a relationship even more importantly, because yeah. there's a lot of relationships in a business or on a team, uh -huh. it's, you, you got to be willing to communicate. A lot of it has to do with compromising too, right? Yeah. Like you have an idea, I want to listen to it rather than... Yeah. There, there's nothing worse that can happen than you get involved in a conversation. I'm sure you know um, a, a handful of people that they're just waiting for you to stop talking so that they can say their idea rather than using your idea to yeah. help facilitate yeah. the entire... Yeah, exactly. play verbal jazz, my boy. Exactly. So, that, that's what it's all about is that communication that you were talking about with Ronnie. Just go talk to Ronnie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just go talk to Ronnie. Ronnie has become a man. Um, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, like a, 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 a lacrosse situation, to bring it back to lacrosse, of that is like when a dude's just like shooting the ball and he's like he's not making the one more and he's shoot, trying to shoot through guys. You know, three games into the season, someone blows up on him. What you got to do is he shoots it the first time. All right, he made a bad mistake. Second time, you just be, you go up to him and you say, "Yo, pass the fucking ball." Right. Exactly. And then right. he goes, whoa. "Whoa!" And then he starts thinking, "Oh, he's right. I should pass." But like you said, if you let it fester, yeah, a lot of you, it. You don't have to drop the f bomb. <laughs> like, actually, I'd recommend not. But I throw it in there to just to punctuate. Yeah, right? punctuate. Like, uh, he has to know how serious you are about the one more. Exactly. So, and in lacrosse, it's a serious thing. If you don't make the one more, sorry to... No, no, I've never, I've never said one more in a low volume. Low volume has exactly. to happen. Yeah, and just as Usually like a one general F and more is good. in lacrosse, like there's a short list of guys who can just pull it when you were closer to the net. Like Deemer Class did this once last summer. <laughs> he shot a two and I was open on the crease and it went in and I just was like, you're a guy who right. has a shot that warrants a looking me off that right. egregiously. But when most I'm, of the when time, I'm working with the high school players, even when they score, I'll say that was not the right look. That wasn't. <laughs> that's not the right look. I know you scored, but yeah. it wasn't the right look. Okay. Even shooting sidearm to the goalie's stick side, because sidearm gets a bad rap. But if uh -huh. you can change your 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 plane, go high or low with sidearm, and not hit them right in the. Uh, I used to, and this is a shout out to all my yellow know, cross guys. Whenever that happened in practice, where it was like a sidearm right to the goalie, I would scream as if I was a vendor outside of a football stadium, and I would say, uh, uh, "Hot dog, pretzel, five dollar," because it just meant that he can have that whenever he wants that goalie. I would just scream that out loud, and, but I don't want to get too far away from. You have to be able to make the the right play, like you were talking about yeah. with the with the and one I like more. That you tell you know. Like, sometimes a goal gets you off the hook, right? It's like, well, it Always went in, gets you off the hook, right? Well, not in, on your team, because you just said that you say that wasn't the right look. Right. But, it, I mean, it gets you 50%. It takes away 50% of the guilt, right? But right. on the next play, 
you're going to not shoot that shot, despite yep. your success on that one. Despite your success. I mean, let's just talk about for one second, high school to college to pro. Mm -hmm. The difference is speed. Speed in decision-making and physical speed. That's uh -huh. the difference, right? And in high school, I could get away um, with shooting the ball wherever I wanted, however I yeah, wanted. Yeah, I mean, because they, you're... You you're an ex-attackman. <laughs> you know I mean? There's the transition there's still, there, and then you got something. to college, and it's like, you're going to be a demon. <laughs> <laughs> the coach was honest with you. Yeah, just give me a tennis racket at that point. <laughs> well, that's what I used to say to jokingly to D-Middies, is like, just take the mesh out of the stick. They get just, such a bad rap, D-Middies. D-Middies get no, such I, a bad I, rap. I have an immense respect I know you love them. them. I know you but love them. But they also are the type that can take a joke like that, where it's like, yo, you don't even need the mesh. Like, just play defense and, like, get it to, they take that as what it is, which right. is a joke, obviously. Right. Many of you are very talented with the ball. but Well, that, that's what it comes from, having that offensive-minded um, background, you know, and then uh -huh. and using it to be op more opportunistic right, yeah. in transition. Uh -huh. um, talking about D-Middies for one second, it's kind of like when you're younger and, and from a coach's perspective, that person can't handle the ball. Let's have him at short stick defensive midfielder, right? When they're growing up, he can't handle the ball. He has to practice yeah, more, but yeah. in game, he it's can't like catch the ball and he's causing goalie, face off, or D midi. Right, exactly. But then as it evolves and you get to um, college and then pro, uh, a lot of the D midis, I mean, Danny Burns is a guy I looked up to for a long time. He used to make a joke about like uh, not being able to handle the stick as well, but he could he could he could make plays, you know, and yeah, he, he can make yeah, he can make yeah. plays in transition. So Hands. it's kind of like this like joke that you make at the highest level that you're still a D midi. Oh, that's a D midi yeah. shooting, but that guy can that guy can play, he, and he had played offense sometime in the past usually. Definitely, right? yeah. That was like when I played in New York. We had, uh, or actually in Atlanta too. So like Kev Onerstein, Steve Dinapoli. Justin Pennington's another guy, uh, Reynolds. They were all, like, so fast and athletic that maybe they had 10% less stick, but it was, like, just blow by someone. And they would, mm -hmm. like, at least once a game. So it was, like, they're not D-middies as a product of they definitely can't play offense. You know what I mean? It was, like, they're really good at D-middy, and they're way better than me, so they have to be D-middies. Like, yeah. they could very well play offense w with way more prowess than I could ever play D-middy. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And I think that's a, definitely. I think that's a, a, a true statement for a lot of attackmen. Like, uh, if you want to give a D midi a hard time, go play D midi. He could do better at attack than you can at D midi. Great point. Great point. You know what I mean? Uh, None of the D midis ever hit me with that, but I was waiting for them to just <laughs> drop that. Oh, well, did that you on hit me. them? Did you hit, did you hit them? How did you get undressed on that play? Did you ever yeah, do that to well, them? Yeah, I just give everyone an equally hard time, but equally in a friendly time. way. Yeah. Um, Speaking of D-Minis, uh, you're playing in the new league, the PLL. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. It's made it made it a lot easier for me now. I mean, this shot clock is such a blessing, you know? <laughs> I love it. I, love I teed it. it up there for you. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so, what, so I've had uh, Callum and Jerry on this far, and they're, you know, they're high on the league and the new rules and whatnot. So the shot clock, how is it? You're just, it's more transition. It's more transition, right? And it's kind of like a sink or swim scenario all the time, yeah. right? And it's the, weeding out the, the men from the boys, right? It's like, it really, it really is, uh -huh. you know, and, and, and not just better athletes, yeah. but like the ones that can make decisions like pretty quickly yeah. and, and the right decisions, right? There's no coincidence that I didn't play this year. I mean, <laughs> I was just talking about it with a, with a college buddy of mine. It's like, 
I played all four years with no shot clock. That's that's crazy. You know, it's, it's so much more fun to watch with a shot clock, and it brings out this balance between smart decision making and um, like creativity and making a play. Making right? a it's play, like, always making a play. And here's the thing: let's talk about risk for a second. Mm-hmm. When there is no shot clock, it's you, trash. It, I can afford to just not risk, it's, but now I continue to the yeah. very last whistle. I have to make a risk, right? Yeah. If you go to somebody, hold the ball. Well, hold the ball for what? There's 52 seconds. At the end of that 52 seconds, it's a turnover, yeah. right? So you want me to turn the ball over now or later, right? Because uh-huh, yeah. if I just hold the ball, I'll throw it to the corner. It's a turnover, yeah. right? So it's like uh, you have to be risk-taking even to late in the fourth quarter, which is yeah. really, really cool, and, and nobody's ever out of it. Yeah. I'm sure there are people, probably some old-school people in the game who could – give valid and reasonable points to the upside of no shot clock but in my mind being a young guy who likes what we're discussing the speed and the risk i can't believe it took that long to do it it's almost like i I would hate to watch football Uh basketball yeah did they add it later did they basketball definitely dean smith for unc used to win games in single digits Oh, really? Yeah. By just... He would play five on a die. So one guy on the free throw And there was line, no shot clock. No shot okay, clock. Okay, so it's that not is. just our sport that's had this ignorance. But it's needed that 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 type of evolving. It's it's needed uh, that for okay. a long time. Okay, gotcha. And it, you said it's weeding out the... the what did you say? The men, it's, yeah, yeah the separating men, the men from the boys. Men from the boys. But it is. It is doing that, but it's like... It's just making the sport better. Just Agreed. More... Um, palatable for the for the for the viewer yep. and the fan. They just love how fast it is. And then, like I said, I couldn't I couldn't love it anymore just because it allows uh, me to be my authentic athlete. I mean, I was running at at Yale close to two fifteen, you know, because there's no shot clock. Yeah, I could run. What are you at now? Uh, One ninety five. Were were you two hundred right around there? Yeah. Um. So I was just thicker yeah. because I can get away with being a. I want to use a car analogy right now, but I won't. But it's like <laughs> <laughs> I could be this. I was I a could Toyota be this, Tundra, <laughs> but I could be bigger like that yeah. and then stop, right? Uh-huh. And completely stop and refresh for two minutes because there's no shot clock and I don't have to be out there for another two minutes, right? Yeah. But now it's more like hockey or indoor. Uh-huh. It's like boom, yeah. coming out, getting. It's been like oh, a you s- came off, came back in. Exactly. And there's like we used to have. I can't remember. I might get the year wrong here, but there were like horns, like horn and you could sub people off if the ball went out was it the end line or the sideline did you ever play when there yeah, of course yeah like that was Air just horn or whatever like yeah. once they got rid of that it was kind of like oh well that should have been done a while ago a long time right ago. and then this step to a, a shot clock and like what's the it's a 53 second 52 yeah 52 like you said it's just it seems like the logical step to make it and I don't want to say a palatable sport for the public. Like, I don't want to sacrifice what the sport is no. to be like, well, we need to cave and become a different sport to be viewed. But I actually think it is a better version. I have a question for you. I, I just brought this topic up um, just the other day. That shot clock to the PLL has made me think about other sports. Like, let's take baseball, for example. What if we just put, took one guy off the field and you had to play just like football? where they have like five down linemen or four down linemen with three linebackers or two linebackers and mm-hmm. you have to change the scheme. If you had eight players instead of nine on the baseball field, how many outfielders are you putting out there? There'll be a lot more scoring. There right? would. Right? Yeah. So it's like... Well, you, they, they do shifts little, in baseball, but you're right. They don't but it's have, rare. And yeah, it's usually exactly. because there's a slugger that loves to I mean, to let's be honest. Ball. Baseball is a totally American, nuanced, kind of a... Like, you could play baseball and you earn... God knows what astronomically high figure a game to play, and you stand there and bat 
and you, you might not get a ball hit to you in right field the whole game. Those are some of the best athletes in the world. I'm, oh, I'm not knocking the athleticism, but mm. it's almost like you're using that athleticism 2% of the game. Like, where do you know uh, a check being collected like that where you right. don't have to do anything? Right. I was just talking to one of my athletes about summer lacrosse. You're going into summer lacrosse knowing in the heat you have to play four games. If you, how are you going to do full intensity in the first game if you know you have three more in the heat? It's like yeah. you can't go all out because uh -huh. you have to save something. Yeah. And that's kind of like the high amount of games in baseball. Oh, we have a double header today? Well, then there's not too much pressure on this first one, and I have to save energy for the second one. Uh -huh. And it's like but it, that's why there's a Shakespearean aspect to football because it's like once a week – yeah. We either win, there's only, what, yep. 16 games, yeah. and it's like every one is critical. And the PLL has that 14-week uh, season where it's every game is very, very critical, unlike yeah. baseball or basketball. Yeah, and that's not to knock players. the athletics. Like base, there are, baseball players are extremely athletic. I just meant you don't, you know, your own, the implications of what you do on a certain play is limited to a few guys every, so the ball gets pitched yep. once every 30 to 45 seconds. And it gets hit, and it's going to go to one player in the field who's going to make that play. Who's going to sure. throw it to someone else. Break that down over however many hits there are. If you're not the pitcher or the catcher, you're not even touching the ball most of right. the time. But cha-ching, cha-ching. Right. So don't get me wrong. I'd, I would love to be have been a right fielder <laughs> in baseball and been, you know what I mean, gotten. It's, it's funny. I talk about this with my dad. He, he knew the day I wanted to quit baseball was when I had the glove in this hand, but I had my baseball pants on, and there was only a pocket in the back left. And I put my sunflower seeds there. So he has me contorting in center field trying to get that last <laughs> sunflower seed out of the back left well, pocket. Just another thing. I'm like, I'm kind of bored out here in center yeah, field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're able to have some seeds out there while you're playing. Like, you know what I mean? It's that would true. be. I knew Could you Michael me? McCormick, who's for viewers. One of the greatest people of all yeah, time. Phenomenal player, but played lacrosse with me in college. Oh, you played with him for a year. He was a He captain. was known to have a few gobstoppers <laughs> in the compression shorts in practice. And it was like a thing, like, yo, let me get a gobstopper. Right. But it was kind of a joke, and if he was eating gobstoppers during a real game, I don't know, he might have been. He was a special player. A special but player. it would kind of, it would be too distracting to pull it off. Like a sport that you can just be eating out there and like, you know, reaching your pocket is. One of my you're, trainers. You're getting paid. One nicely. of my trainers at Yale. Uh, Kai, did you have Kai? Yeah. You did. Oh yeah, I, I was perpetually injured, so I had Kai contort me. But Kai um, would always have a couple starbursts for me in the fourth quarter. When I was uh, being a German Shepherd and I was getting all fogged up and I couldn't really understand why my body was uh -huh. I, I was running so hot in every shift, at, he would have these starbursts to increase my, my sugar levels. Get your blood sugar yeah, up? blood sugar wow. up. It's which, a quality so treat. So I love starbursts. And, yeah, uh, these are some you It's kind of like Marshawn Lynch has up, the like Skittles. Some, yes. Oh, he had but did he ever preach it based on glycemic <laughs> response? I think his was just... Uh, we could <laughs> ask him. We could ask him, but I... I, I think he just wanted some Skittles. Uh, yeah. But maybe he was getting that little blast. No, he definitely was, right? Yeah, even, whether, even indirectly. Whether, no, wait a minute. Yeah, he was getting it. <laughs> he was getting it. Um, here's a question. Who's the most... Diff well, actually, who's the best D-Midi around? Uh, is that a thing that you've considered? What's that? Who's the best D-Midi on the planet? Or is that is that very up for debate? Or is there one guy that most of you D-Middies uh, are like, he's the one? I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty confident in my, in my ability. I like that uh, response. But I, I love um, Ty Warner's game. I, I, love, I love Ty Warner because I, I, uh, I just was texting him the other day. I still remember a vivid day um, in, his, in his career when he was uh, a freshman. Uh, we, had to do these th we had to do two rounds of a workout uh, uh -huh. that Newman put us in. And I went for three, just 
naturally, and I finished the third one uh, before some did, did the second. And he was a freshman that that had finished his two really quickly, and I was wondering why he wasn't going for a third with me. And I was down doing some plank or whatever, and he said, "What are you doing down there?" I said, "Come down here and find out." Um, and he did, and his arms were wobbling, and I was talking to him where my mind goes when I'm really um, exhausted as a D midi. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I texted him, do you remember that day? And he's like, oh, I still go to that place. And yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to share it because okay. it's very uh, close it to me. Is it top secret? Could I be a D-Midi if I had, if you divulge yeah, this? Yeah, if, if, if you okay. knew we'll this one, this. yeah, Don't tell this. the wider public. I can make a comeback <laughs> as on that side of the field. Um, but, to, and then I, I remember that week I was like, this, this kid's special in terms of um, not just his athleticism, but if you can get that mental piece, right, if you can flip that switch mm-hmm. mentally and, and, and have an alter ego and go dark, um, for lack of a better word, is uh, I saw it in him, and I was like, you're going to be a first-team All-American. And, and he was. And he was. Yeah, I mean, both of you are – you're both in the PLL, right? I mean, any of the guys who are playing D-Midi in the PLL are the, – there's no two ways about it. D-Midi yeah. is not like – it's tough to, like, if you're an attack offensive guy or uh, someone who, a, a goalie, you can, your persona and being a popular player can afford you maybe to get on the roster and yep. you still won't last, but being a D midi, you'll get exposed game one. It's like, oh, we're not yeah. willing to let the guy who has a bigger name be a D midi on our team. Right. Like, there's no room for, so I would say D midi more so than any other position, the, those guys who are playing in the PLL or the MLL. Like, mm-hmm. there's still guys that are Great. in the MLL and awesome. If you're playing in one of those two leagues, you're one of the best. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how name, many teams are there? The name that comes to 12? mind is Matt Abbott, right? I mean, he's oh, yeah. Matt Abbott's completely revolutionized. Mm-hmm. He's been a thoroughbred for what feels like decades. A decade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, a decade? Uh, yeah, exactly a decade. Or wow. maybe 11th year or 12th. I don't even know. Wow. He, but he was – he I. Not only did he take me under the wing, under his wing from day one uh, when I got turned pro, uh, but he – uh, was somebody that I could be a sponge to. I wanted to learn what what, what, what is he doing? How mm-hmm. is he training? He's what is he doing? He's a quiet guy on the field. Quiet. Like he would be very effective, but not remind you that he was. You know what I mean? He just let his game speak. He let his game speak. He yeah. couldn't score too, where it was like yes, too, too he's so way, fast that it, he wouldn't really do much. And you're like, wow, he just toasted someone. He toasted what someone. Appeared to be a vanilla. Toasted. And my my first year. Uh, Matt and I got really close because um, I have a close affiliation to anything in terms of cancer research and cancer foundations. I was working with Versus Cancer for a long time, uh, but we were um, became friends with a, a nine-year-old named Ella Edwards who was going through Ewing sarcoma and has since beat it, and we were very excited about that. But Matt and I and, and Mike Evans at the time, us three, uh, really came became close uh, as teammates but more as friends when we were doing that off the field stuff with with Ella and then and got really close so that speaks to not only uh, yeah. Matt Abbott but Mike Evans their nature and, and their mm-hmm. their ability to be empathetic great people off the field mm-hmm. um, and not just warriors which they are and they know how to flip the switch on the field yeah. um, but Matt Abbott comes to mind when you when you, when you say uh, a guy who yeah I guess he's but he's been in the ranks of like best D-Midi around for like, for a like long you said, time. a decade. And it, and it switches, it will switch as, as the, the shot clock comes about, right? Because yeah, you can't weed out a yeah, few new. It'll yeah. weed out a few. Mm-hmm. Um, right? And there's still guys that are awesome in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin Understein is great. Uh-huh. Um, Jake Bernhardt, great, you yeah. know. 
these guys have the ability to make plays in transition, right? Uh-huh. Which is huge. And Matt Abbott has revolutionized the two way. Yeah, it feels like with the, like you said, you're on the field so much and it's so up and down that it's going to bring out a lot of guys who can who can do it on O too. Right. You know what I mean? Like a Zach Courier. Uh, I know he's playing in the MLL, but he can play D and he's like as good on offense as as anyone. Yeah. So it's like the PLL, I think, is going to move. I don't think every D midi is going to be as talented as that kid. Right. But it feels like there's going to be a lot more opportunity for, like, these two guys are apples to apples on defense. This guy has vision and can bury a few, so we're going to go with him. And and that's a conversation I have a lot, um, not just with other people, but myself. When I'm reviewing film and I watch so much film, uh, when I'm reviewing film, I say to myself, in this game, should I have been more opportunistic in Mm -hmm. transition? If we're if offense is doing what they need to do and they're putting up drastic amount of numbers, mm-hmm. I, I try to tighten the screws as much on the defensive side of the ball, right? Because we don't need help up there. But yeah. I'll sometimes look back at film and be like, should have pushed it. Should have pushed it. Well, I've always been like, when I when I was a carrying attackman, which was like college and then like first two years pro, I was always foot on the gas during that early um, part of transition with a real uh, pump in my own tires, but skill for the ejector, for the ejection cord. Yep. So it's like, I'm gonna do this, but then I'm not gonna make too much of it, I'm just gonna test this guy and push it. And it's like seeing D middies come down, the guys who can make someone play defense and get to that precipice of where it could be a goal right. is really important, but then to be able to have the stick skills and the wherewithal to not turn it over. Right, it's like that's to the not real, turn it over. Yeah. That's the, the critical type of decision-making, the speed of decision-making uh-huh. that I was talking about before. Um, the Art of War, and it goes for lacrosse as well. Have you ever read The Art of War yeah. by Sun Tzu? It's, uh-huh. The Art of War is deception, yeah. and a lot of people think that okay, we're up, let's hold the ball. You still have to act like you're about to attack your guy, right? Uh-huh. If you're not attack, like, like you said, uh, the ejection cord, you still need to act like you want to go exactly. for it. Because if you go and try to run on That's the outside, the... you will get lit up like a Christmas tree, exactly. you know? Exactly, yes. Art of War goes for defense, too, you know? Don't interrupt your enemy while he's making a mistake type of thing. Right, well, definitely. And um, Who's the hardest? Oh, that might be Napoleon Bonaparte, actually. I'm pretty sure That's who that is, so... Stamp you want that. To give, you want to give credit to Yeah, that. let's. I think, yeah, Napo- give that one to Napoleon after my earlier rant about giving credit where credit's due and yeah. knowing who said what. Yeah. <laughs> Can't misspeak like that. Yeah. Um, what, who's uh, on the other side of the, of the question I asked earlier, who is the hardest to got to stop? And that's kind of, I guess, a tricky question because the best guy is almost getting the, sometimes getting the pole. But you're ending up on anyone, right? Whether it be yeah. after a slide scheme. Yeah. Who, who's now now there's a word like a two-man game on the wing to try to get me on somebody. Yeah. Tom Shriver, you know, Tom Shriver, because he can go either way um, with both hands and, and kind of like as a D-Midi, you're not supposed to be a takeaway guy, but you kind of deter him from doing what he would love to do. And I think um, what makes uh, Tom Shriver so lethal as a lacrosse player is he's what does he want to do? He can do it. He can do anything. You know, I mean, I still remember I was a freshman in the, uh, 2013. We're playing Princeton in the Ivy League uh, championship, and he splits right to left uh, and puts a hole in the top right. I'm like, this might be. Oh a long, yeah, this might that be was a, a cool goal. That, this might be a long day. Yeah. But it's kind of like where do you force a guy like that, right? Because you can go right or left, right? And mm-hmm. as a D midi, you gotta force people to their weaknesses, 
Um, and I would say him, he's the first one that comes to mind. Well, he's also, I'll let your list continue, but his success in the NLL makes him, you know, it's kind of the pat is on the back as you're the, you're the best at this right now. Right. Like there are other guys. Matt Rambo is a guy who's done the, like in terms of overall offensive player, is pretty, he did, did pretty well in the NLL too. Mm-hmm. So for me, that dual success in the two leagues is who I pat on the back, who I would claim yeah. is the best lacrosse player. But. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, rightly so, that he's the best lacrosse player two mm-hmm. years running, right? But uh, I don't know who to pump or here, pump their tires or uh-huh. whatnot, but like there's a lot of tough covers, you know? Uh-huh. And, um, being on my team, I think Jake Ficaro is one of the best guys. Uh-huh. You know, I really yeah. do. I think you can go right or left, and it's really about having that ability yeah. to not have a weakness. Right? Yeah. Uh, I know uh, a lot of, or at least I like to think I do, that I know what guys don't like to do because I know the move that they like mm-hmm. to do in a certain yeah. scenario on this side of the field and yep. stuff like that. Oh, when I'm on this side of the field, I'm going to see if they're they're willing to go take that shot with their offhand in the wrong area, right? Because I know I could probably get away with that. Yeah, 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 and then my buddy Blaze is gonna hit me on an outlet. Yeah, that's a, a, a interesting way to look. I mean, I guess it's along the same lines as if you know what someone likes to do, but that's what you always hear on the scouting report: what he likes to do, right? Like what they don't like to do. Like obviously, force them left, but like you're saying, more specific situations. More specific. Yeah. You know, so like when you're analyzing film, you said you watch a lot of film. Are you like you're thinking at a, a level of? Let's not it. just watch where his success was. What let's watch where his failure was at a detailed level. Or yes, because everybody knows where the success is. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Yeah. Everybody knows <laughs> their thing. You know, oh, that's him. He does that thing. You yeah. Know? But I kind of was like, whoa, he just lost the ball doing that. Did he, yeah. did he lose it again uh-huh. somewhere else along the line? Let me think back. Oh, he did. At minute two, he also lost it. Or he didn't yeah. he wasn't comfortable yeah. like, in that little position over there. You yeah. Know? So it's like... That's such a, like a, a contrast to what watching film as an offensive guy is. I, I don't like to, when I would watch film, just makes me overthink about, like, the defender oh, likes to do this. Players, I'm like, like, I'll just wing it. And usually, it, <laughs> seriously, like, I'd yeah. rather wing it. When people got in my head and were like, this goalie's really good at this spot, I would just shoot it bad like four times and then once I was like you know what ditch the scout I would do way better but I also know that as an offensive player watching um, film I would just like I always wanted to watch my success like they send out the yeah, clips like oh, right, let's to. go Gibson goals yeah. and let's watch those for like yeah. 45 minutes and then sitting at the, home like oh, I know that goal's coming up I was like can't wait exactly but then the other side of it is I don't need to and I remember so vividly my own failures that when the film would go out, I would watch it more to see where other people was than what I did wrong. Yeah. So it's like, all right, who was potentially open here when I got you know stripped by this guy? Because yeah. my own experience is very vivid in my own head. And that's what it should be. Exactly. You know? That's yeah. what it should be. So it's be. like when you're a defensive midi, you're like watching not like gross fit for you if you're analyzing like you do you're not like watching someone get stripped or watching someone score a goal you're looking at that whole spectrum of like lack of success on offense isn't always a turnover sometimes it's you just got stopped you just got stopped right? so yeah. you're watching like a mundane play where a defense a defender stopped him and he threw it down the alley that's yep. not exactly like peg this time yeah. stamp but you, you watch it at but it's level. not a tally against the scoreboard against us exactly so, uh, it, you know and I I eat my humble pie a lot, you know. I get undressed sometimes, you know. Uh-huh. I, I like to be my biggest. It's inevitable, critic. right? It's, inevitable. it's like, come on, these guys are so, so great, you know, yeah, so you watch, great. Like basketball, like the 
there's so much talent on both sides of the ball that you're going to get yours, and that, like Callum Robinson said, that he's going to get his sometimes, and they're going to get theirs. Yeah, right? it's like of course. you're going to end up on the wrong side of a highlight reel. I do want to give a shout out to Coach Andrew Baxter just because um, not only is he a dear friend of mine now, but I remember being a freshman and sophomore at Yale, and he'd be like, "Click, come in, watch film. Click, come watch film," and I'd be like. No, don't want to watch film. It's mm-hmm. a kind of I like, know what I did wrong type of thing. Uh-huh, yeah. But then I started doing it, right? That discipline type of thing. And I know I should be doing it. And he'd be like, why did you do this play? And I don't know why I made the play, right? I was trying to – and he had a great saying, um, <laughs> make plays that uh, the Bulldog defense needs you to make, not the one you want to make, right? Uh-huh. And that was huge, right? Because a lot of guys want to pick it off and go the other way, but that's not the right play. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of – my early development as a film watcher, if that's a thing, uh-huh. uh, it, came, so. it came from Andrew Baxter forcing me to. And then I found myself as a senior telling the younger guys, being like, go watch film. I know you don't see uh, the benefits of it, but it's huge, right? Another art of war. It's not good enough to know thyself. You got to yeah. know your opponent and, yep. and kind of um, develop that way. And it's crazy the kind of ch- small changes that make a big difference just from watching film, right? Uh, not to put too much stress on watching film, but it's not talked about enough. You know, yeah. it's like, uh-huh. I know what you were talking about when you said just wing it, because that's the worst thing when I was like, I wonder if he's gonna say, I hate it because that got in my own head. And then you said, I got in my head. And I was like, well, watching film shouldn't be, shouldn't lead to that, right? Because that means you're being hypercritical about some small, minute detail. You gotta mm. be all encompassing and look at the whole picture. Um, yeah. It just should benefit you more than push you down and be like, oh, I'm yeah. a terrible player. I made a bad player. Exactly. I stripped right there. Well, mine was more that when I'd watch it and then I would enter the game, I would knew, I would hear, you know, I uploaded the information about the other player that I knew he liked to do this, and then I would that would affect what I'm like, well, if he's going to do that, I better do this. So it's just, like you said, it's overthinking. But a lot of it was just... Well, speaking of film, do you what what do you spend your time doing? Like, uh, not lacrosse film. Like, do, what do you watch? What do you if you're gonna watch something, whether it be social media, Netflix, or TV oh, or uh, movies? Don't almost watch nothing. I do a lot of YouTube. I do. A, I just got Audible. I'm doing that. I've nice. been doing that a lot. But this past two years, like a lot of just reading, a lot of YouTube videos. But that people who are like it's easy to be like oh you're on instagram all the time like i use youtube youtube you can waste your time just as successfully as <laughs> you do on instagram right. so like and reddit is another one that like um when you're on reddit you can you know subscribe to things like today i learned or they're like little tidbits oh, of nice. knowledge or but it, it, it can quickly become fast food of information in the way that instagram is because why when you read the cliff notes of something, you don't you get the facts, but not like the wisdom of the book. When yep. you read the book, it slowly uploads, and you're like, Whoa. you lived it. But when you read, so that the same thing happens with like what you think is a betterment video. If it's eight minutes, it's it's not getting integrated. Right. If it's an hour, and I'm a big believer in reading as opposed to audiobooks, right. but I've been getting more into audiobooks. Well, but audiobooks are more convenient, right? In the car and stuff like that, they're more convenient. Yeah, they are. Um, but and I, I, I remember them in a different way. Um, you know when you like hear a song and you're like, you remember where you were driving? Mm-hmm. That's been happening to me with books. So I'm like pinning factual things to like, oh, I was on my bike on this turn. So I'm, I'm finding that I'm remembering it in different ways, but not nearly as well as I Well, I, a friend of mine actually uh, this week just told me that the number one uh, 
thing that prevents Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. or dementia's or dementia is uh, one's ability when they're reading to formulate the scene in their own head, right? And people read a lot. That, he, that's the number that's one. That's the number one thing. That, that can sounds far fetched, but I can just holding it off because it allows you to stay creative your, in your own way, mm-hmm. rather than just being somebody that just reads without creating it in your own head. Wow, that's actually yeah. So. The, Oh, that goes off what you were saying, small doses and not really uploading it. Yes. What you said. Well, you can quickly convince yourself that scrolling through facts on Reddit or th- like little cliff note videos on YouTube is like a better way to spend your time than Instagram. But in argument. a way, it's f- the fast, the shortcut in the same way. Definitely. But it has like a, you know, you're like, ooh, today I learned that like the, on the moon landing. It's like yeah. you're going to forget that in like two weeks. Two like, where weeks. does that fit into a larger story and how is it going to like help what you're working on? Two weeks. What, what comes to mind is I, I, I said it before success leaves clues. And I say to my athletes, what are you watching or what are you uploading? I like exactly. this term because uh, are you watching that 30 second um, dog falling over yeah, and laughing Instagram at it? Or trash. are I mean, you overall? Are, are you trash app? Like Goldcast that just came out. Those are like five minutes of really. What is it? It's called Goldcast. Is that an app? Um, they have their own account, but it's like five minutes, seven minutes. Oh, it's a, but it's Instagram. It's not. Where are you watching just, it? I watch it via Goldcast on Instagram, but they have their own okay. little IGTV okay. and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, uh, but Goldcast, TED Talks, all these stuff where you can. Uh, really dive in and learn something of value rather than just this quick fix or this momentary satisfaction of laughing. There's a spectrum. It's like, you know, usually, and time plays an important factor. If it takes you 10 minutes, it (laughs) wasn't a good upload. If if you invest 20 hours into reading the book, it's slowly integrating. Your sleep is important. It's a a good uh, dialogue to have. Uh, What is the the longest... a video should be like we're doing we're doing a podcast right now how, uh-huh. how long should this be are people gonna go in and out are they gonna be listening to the whole thing uh-huh. you don't you don't know right you don't. but that you gold know. cast is five to seven minutes and people have five to seven minutes the, they do they don't but think again, they that do. falls in the spectrum <laughs> of if seven. you think that's really a, a, a good form of uploading information right. i would i would argue that it's not but i'm not saying that like they're not more valuable than a one minute meaningless video right and people like learn in different ways, right? They bikini are. pictures on Instagram, <laughs> like. But long story short, when you said, "What do I do?" I try to now. Over the past two years, I've gotten way better at reading, and better by I do it more often and I do it faster, mm-hmm. which, you know, discipline because becoming, I do it more often. Discipline becomes desire, like I was saying before. You exactly. like to do it now. Yeah, and I just and. I, you're better I at read it. it if I, I heavily vet the author in the book, and if it's someone I deem worthy of my time, then I upload the information. <laughs> the same thing with like, like if you're on Instagram and you're like, yeah, yeah, I follow all my friends. Like, well, I'm, there's levels to friendship. Like, I don't want to see, like, I don't want to upload information from you daily on an app where I'm scrolling through. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm have a bouncer at the door of my <laughs> ear and my eyes that is deciding who's getting in. Your, your metaphor of this uploading is just getting better but, and better. You have a bouncer you, at the door. Do you have any chef in the back? Or, no, yeah. I just, I think a little bouncer tattoo would be cool here that was like ID. Oh, wow. But that's what I mean. It's like you need to vet who you're letting upload information on, onto you, right? So that when you say, that's how do I spend thing. my time? The concise version is books, audio books, <laughs> You know, TED Talks here and there are long-form YouTube videos, yeah. which I heavily vet 
the creators of and the topic. Right. And I also make sure that it integrates into what I'm doing. Sure. But where does that, then I've run into like, I haven't been reading any fiction because like, where does fiction <laughs> fit into the fiction that I'm trying to write? Right, right. So I have to give myself breaks to read other people's fiction and like, and watch like a movie, but I try to really not. I don't watch a lot of television. I, I've been pushing to not have a TV in my new place. Well, what I, what I said it before about like the easiest way to change your life is to change your inner circle. That goes beyond human beings, right? You're letting that that you have that bouncer exactly. at the door, you're letting in what book are you going to read, right? That's important. That's your inner circle it's still. It's a curse. Yeah, right? that's what I mean. It's not just a beating heart Well, that anyone you let text you all the time? Oh, like, yeah. That's a, one of the shames of phones is anyone thinks that they can hit you up at any time right. and you're a bad person for not hitting them back. When's like, the last time you spent a whole day without a phone? It's like impossible these days. It's like impossible just it, because I don't, like somebody's trying to reach you and you gotta, you have to get back to I that. I got into this with it Jerry, gives you but like... If you just remove the apps that are wasting your time, then you don't waste your time, right? It's like take Instagram off. But like I said, you could have a, an in-between one where it's YouTube or Reddit where there is a valuable information if you watch the right thing. Right. But you can find yourself down the same meaningless right. wormhole. So like policing yourself and being like, okay, I'm on here too much. Get rid of the app. Huge. It's huge. Get rid of it. And, and you can go to your phone and you can see what you spend the most time on. It literally says you spent four hours on Instagram today, yeah. right? And then then you're gonna tell me that you don't have the time? You don't have the time for what? To write a book or something like that? You well, were on Instagram. You know, you and I go off about that, this. We went off about this in Japan, yeah. right? Well, you don't have the time for it? Well, well you're just another, giving it to other things. If you're hanging out with someone, I'm, I'm judging basically all the time in an observational you're way, good but judge. I wanna you're know judge, what yeah. this person's like. So if I see that you're on your phone all the time, not a great move. I give a lot of people a hard time about it. It actually leads to tension. Like people, some people get mad at me like, mind your business but like usually I try to do it with people that I care about and like right. you know you're on your phone a lot and I want to know what you're doing right it's like not all screens are the same it's like what are you doing on your phone don't worry about it well right. it matters because right. like I said there are many wormholes that you can go down that are either helping you or hurting you but I, this just popped into my mind but what these students that can use their laptops to take huh. notes yeah what are the chances that you are just taking notes on that laptop? Yeah, I mean, nah. no way, no, no way. And there's no, nothing that can replace the, some traditionals in our life, like writing down your goals, like writing down notes, like spending time writing your book or whatever it is that you want to do. Those things will never go away. There will never be a better version of those traditionals, of uh, taking notes Exactly. via a notebook yeah. right because right when you start taking your notes on the laptop of course there's all these benefits from doing that right uh -huh. you can just hit save in the top corner and yeah. you don't have to lose this loose leaf paper yeah. of course but there's something to be said about not losing some of the traditionals of of learning or um, strategies yeah. in, in your life and getting back to what i was saying if someone's on their phone all the time i hang out with them a lot i notice they're on their phone a lot and then I text them and they don't respond. Ooh. I'm like, I know this <laughs> person is on their phone all the time. So right. I, like, I can connect the dots. They right. saw the text and they didn't. Whereas you do yourself a big favor if you just don't go on your phone uh, a lot, you can ignore texts. Yeah, he's one of the guys who's never really on the phone. So therefore, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's ignoring yeah, me or... <laughs> so you afford yourself some some skipping texts. That's a very, yeah. yeah. So you can get away with a few skip texts. That's exactly. good. We're getting back to the laptop thing. I think if you're going to do some like longer form, whether it be book or endeavor, th having a laptop and having the in internet at your disposal, yeah. at your disposal, 
is like, it, yeah, it, it's opened up a lot of doors because you used to have to go to a library and Huge. read and cite and yeah. do, and that, a big hurdle was that. So like that hurdle's gone. Right. But I, I would bet that the fact that you can do anything on a computer is actually the new hurdle. Is like, yeah, you can get any information, so why don't you write a book? Well, because I can do things other than just get information. Yeah. It's like, why would I cite a source and write a book when I can just, you know, watch a, like you said, someone falling off a ladder. Percent. And get a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand percent. Because, I mean, this has my mind running just because everything that you do in life, uh, there's this saying, right, a hardship or uh, a hardship, no matter how big it is, will have an equivalent on the backside that's a positive in your life, right? And I believe that. I think that every good thing comes with a bad thing, like we've been just talking about or mm. going on a rant about. Um, Laptops are great, but they also allow you to browse and not take notes, right? All these things in life, whether they're tangible or not tangible, have this balance back and forth For between sure. good and bad, yeah. right? And it's about the dose in which you take it in, right? Yeah. What, what, what the is balance, the, yeah, you what's know. the dose that you take caffeine in a day? What's the yeah. dose that you talk to people on the phone a day, right? Can you balance that, right? My mom always said, right, everything in moderation, right? And now mm -hmm. there's a yeah. Navy SEAL saying everything in moderation, including moderation, right? Anything worth doing is worth overdoing, right? But my mom is right in saying that if you have balance and everything besides love, I think that's a kicker, right? If you can, if you can just be nice person all the mm -hmm. time, there's no replacement for kindness, yeah. right? But everything else besides that needs to come with a balance and uh -huh. a certain amount of dose. Yeah, like you don't want to love someone half the time and hate them half the time. <laughs> so what you do is you love one person fully and then you just hate some other people. <laughs> that's how you get the, that's how you find that dichotomy. Or just but have a lot right. of bouncers. You just need a lot of exactly. bouncers. Exactly, right? like vet, vet people vet in your bouncer. life. That's, Actually, that's one question I want you for you is who would be your bouncer? Who would you have as your bouncer? I don't know. I think I, I would have to be, like, you got to be your would own Would you have a smaller, scrappier bouncer? Oh, definitely. Be, uh, I wouldn't want the, the big-looking guy. Because I would want the guy that people don't know he's going to mess you up. But Ooh. he would mess you up. Yeah. It's so, like, that's the type of people that I, I like. The art of war is deception, they, right? The, yeah, exactly. You well, you, to look a certain way. But then it be, you don't want it to be uh, contrived. You don't want to be like, ooh, I, I look like I'm this type of person, but I'm really this. So, like, I just like the people who they, it's organic, where it's like, oh, I thought you were, like, you. I'm like, yeah, you kind of look like a person who's hardo yeah. that I wouldn't want to sit here and chat with, but you have this other side. And you have, you do both very well. It's important, thank you. It's important to have that other side, you know? Uh, people let it just go, like, you, you say to somebody, ease up. They go, I don't want to ease up. You know, I want to be, like, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. just like, no, just be able to change with the tide, right? Exactly. Like imagine the ocean just being at high tide all the time, you know? Fishermen would hate that, right? It's like you got to be able to adapt, right? Yeah. Whether it's a business, whether it's your individual self, be able to adapt. Adapt or die type of thing. Because you're really killing a relationship if you're not if you're just if I was intense all the time, I'd kill off all my relationships. Yeah, right? it's not enjoyable for you and it's not a like I heard some people don't like Steph Curry in the NBA cuz he's like that golden boy who like always does what he's supposed to I'd bet that if you hung out with him after a championship or after like I'm sure the guy <laughs> lets loose and like yeah he manages his public image well right. but like you you don't stick around a franchise and be loved by like a whole team like that without like he, he's got to right. be a guy who's like has some flaws and like you know has well, a good time I think it comes out down to like I 
can't emphasize enough the ability to flip a switch, whether it's from mm. a good to a good kind is person it, to stepping over that line yeah. and just being is absolutely. That, do you different. mean that because well, for an offensive player, it's a little different because I don't necessarily have to go out there and be me, meaning like whack someone or commit violence on them. But your mean job in a different way. Sure, no. yeah, I'm going to make my success your hard times, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. But it doesn't involve a physical component as in as obvious a way as. I'm going to hit you with my stick, cross-check you, and right. prevent you from... So, right. do you mean, like, the mindset, or do you mean, like, like hitting and playing a little mean, bit? I, I just mean the mindset. Uh, do you I, try to be as physical as possible? Do you... Phys- I preach physicality when it comes to lacrosse all the time. Yeah, you got to. Of, this is, comes up again, like... I'm like, if you're, if you're a young D-Midi, and you happen to be listening to this, uh, it's not good enough to just be physical on ball, right? Of course, you have to be physical on ball. Yeah. But if I say I'm playing defense against you, Matt, and you're coming across the crease, I'm not going to explode you onto your back, but I'm not going to let you be comfortable either. Right? Yeah. I'm going to touch you up. I'm going to let you know that I'm right here, and if you cut, I'm going to do something about of it. Of course, right? and I'm returning like, the favor. Exactly you know I mean? right. But but there's and there's nothing dirty about that. That that's a common misconception. No, nothing dirty. There is ways to do it dirty. Like exactly. Butt end or your something physicality like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I I do like I was always on the ride. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna slash hard, and I'm going to make it hurt for the defender because you know a successful riding team. You like what? How well do you do? You get it back what one fifth of the time? It's like usually twenty percent. Yeah. So four out of five, they're getting it over. Make them feel it. Right? It's like they're making you feel it all the time with a bigger stick. Make them feel it. So it leads to another one. lacrosse point is you can talk people out of things the next time around, right? By you throwing that check, do you think he wants to absorb exactly. that change? Like, no way. Yeah, he's going to. And that, this, this sport of lacrosse is so great, more so than some of the, like, not to knock golf or anything like that, but you're not getting beat up for four quarters, right? So by yeah. the 18th hole, yeah, you might be mentally and physically fatigued, but you don't have, like, a cut-open arm and exactly. a hamstring that's acting up or anything like that. Or probably that baffles don't. me. You probably I mean, I guess don't. the torquing, but I was always like, like, Tiger's got a bad back. How? Well, <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a bash session of golf. I want to talk about it more of a pro to lacrosse because by the fourth quarter, all right, all right. by the fourth quarter, you've been pounding the fence for so exactly. long, it's going to snap. Yeah. It's going to snap and, uh, like, you got to be humble in losses and and in wins. We just lost to Chrome last week, and uh, they just did a better job at pounding the fence for four quarters, and uh-huh. it broke. You know that we yeah. lost by a, a large margin, but it yeah. wasn't that. It was like really, it was a tighter game than that. But uh-huh. they did a bit better job at finishing what they started, type of yeah. thing, and that's what gotcha. what's really what's, what's really great. Going back to the flipping the mindset, I don't know if you've ever seen this little short thirty second clip of Brian Dawkins. You, you hit me with 30-second clips. I just said the short ones are... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched this Instagram video. What is but it? He's, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles created a second locker right next to his, Weapon X. And he turned into Wolverine on game day. And he would only use that locker on game day. Really? Crazy. But he has this crazy, he's like, is now type of stuff coming out of the locker room and he's crawling and he's oh yeah I've seen that okay and he's losing his mind yeah right but he's not he's actually honing in his yeah, focus like, to be a warrior in the game right yeah. but I am talking about that is the extreme a lot of what I talk about with uh, my athletes and clients is like the balance we were talking about before that is the spectrum 
of alter ego, right? He actually has a locker that says yeah. Weapon X, yeah. right? I have my ways of turning my into an alter ego as well. But if you just try to flip it a little bit, right? I use this analogy, you know, the, the, dim, the light dimmer, yep. you know, in our society. No dimmers. That's the worst thing. Yeah. Go all in. your body gets confused. All right, so this is a good, I had this question, I had it earlier on the list that I sometimes glance to here, but like a lot of leadership, so you're doing leadership as a business, and I, they're like welding something back there for anyone who's frustrated by the, the noise in here. Um, how do you get, so like, all right, let's take a, I'll give you a 10 second snippet. This is a pregame speech. Do it for the guy next to you. Look around you. Like we've all fought the entire year. You guys know what we've put in. The people on the other team are trying to get in the way of that. That is enough to flip the switch. I just that was great. Like that was improv great. that, I, regardless. That? That but sick. like that's cliched. I didn't. None of that is novel at all. It's so. How do you find ways to make? And a lot of it is. And correct me if I'm wrong. If someone comes up and says that, but they're not really, like, say they don't even put in the work or whatever. So a lot of it has to do with what you could say. Yeah. So it's like you're Who's saying, saying it? Exactly. Same words coming out of a different person. different person. How do you find, like you said earlier, imitate and then, or emulate? Emulate until you can innovate. Until you can innovate. Do you, is, do you try to do that by just, like, organically? Or do you actually consciously think, like, all right, how am I going to bring some creativity to my leadership? Hmm, great. So, I mean, um, Doc Gilbert, who is my main mentor, says, uh, he says to me, Mark, if you want to have one superpower, what would it be? And uh, I was like, I don't know, maybe I was thinking fly or invisible, stuff like that. He mm -hmm. goes, well, you got one, and that's the ability to give a pep talk, right? And what a pep talk is, like you just did right now, mm -hmm. is it's four things, and hopefully I get it right right here. It's saying the right thing at the right time, in the right place, to the right people. And if you don't have those four factors in a pep talk, one of those four are not there, it's not gonna be an amazing yeah. pep like talk. Like if I said what I said before like the drive-through at Taco <laughs> Bell, people would be like. It depends who you're with, I would yeah, get hyped. I would, I would get I'd hyped. I'd take that back. <laughs> But there's a time what are you ordering? Place. That'll be, be like, boys. Let, this is a big order. <laughs> so Start big. thinking now about what order. you want. <laughs> but uh, I mean, all my friends and, and teammates know I get excited over uh -huh. the stupidest things. So I'm good with the pep talk and the drive-through. But uh, it's is comes it down like to those a, four team, things. Obviously, it's going to be like you're a young guy. How old are you? You're 26. 26. Your spin on, and I think a lot of times that's what like can hold people back in the creative. Like, your creativity comes at whatever your job is. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you want to be good at it, you want to be remembered, you want to be, like, sure. you got to have your own spin. Sure. People try to do that way too early, and they force it. Right. And, like, it feels like in your thing, like, your career and building your mindset and philosophy yeah. is, like, this ongoing thing where 10 years from now, you might have, like, an entirely new take on it, right? I feel like in the leadership... Oh, it's got to evolve. It's got to evolve, definitely. I, I, yeah. Um... You're, you're, I'm hesitating because I want to give credit like you've been talking about, but there's another quote that um, smart people borrow but geniuses steal, right? Uh -huh. um, yeah, there's a book called Good Artists Steal. little airport reader yeah. that I made the mistake of and buying. I mean, Doc Gilbert being uh, a top expert in applied sports psychology in America, I would argue in the world, I am just listening to him. I speak to him every single day because I just want, and that's what people that are at a young age need to do better. Yeah, is, credit. And credit doesn't have to be, yo, you're really good at this. It's just listen. 
you, you want to change your life in a day, ask this question to the right people. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? You go ask that to a 90-year-old, that conversation could change your life, right? Oh, I didn't know that um, I probably wouldn't have got divorced if, right? Mm -hmm. That's a major thing, right? And you don't have to go through that experience yourself. Listen, I've gone and talked to, to teams or I'm about to go talk to the team and they go, well, where'd you get your PhD from? I was like, okay, well, this conversation. I don't have a PhD, so mm -hmm. let's just get that on. The, like, uh -huh. I'm t I don't have that. Yeah. Um, you either want me to come in, and, or you don't, right? Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna label me like that, or, or whatever. And it's about me asking and learning from the right people, from the right sources, being all encompassing. I'm like I said, uploading before, from uploading. the right sources. Yeah, with the right bouncers, you got to be able to have those sort of things, or else. Yeah, and then um, you'll arrive at your own stew of leadership. Right? I it's find like myself, you know, uh, gas and break in terms of uh, emulate and yep, innovate, yep. right? I like that. Because I, mean, I have to innovate right now or else I just become another guy who's just trying to motivate you today, yeah. right? Um, so I don't do a lot of blasting of my business. Uh -huh. I don't because it's like I want it to happen more organically. Yeah. How, how many signs did you pass today that had uh, Starbucks on it? Zero. They don't spend any money on marketing. But why, oh, would, why, no. why are people buying Starbucks coffee at a higher price? For the caffeine blast, of course. <laughs> no, I think they developed the product exactly. that makes you have yes. Starbucks because they do what they do really, really, really well. I'm, some people hate on Starbucks. I'm a big fan. And if you could become the Starbucks of leadership, I would, I'll take your course anyway. But if that's your goal... That's you've my got, goal. You've, you've got a good product. And, but the thing is, that's the outcome, but I, I'm not chasing that directly. They're all, here's a great one. Um, I hope I get it right here is uh, something along the lines of you don't get love by chasing it directly. If you wanted to go flirt with uh, somebody at a, at a bar and you went up to them and said, oh, I think you're really beautiful. I think she'd be, whoa, yeah. like, that's too much. You're Trying chasing hard, it directly, yeah. right? But if you're at a bowling alley and you're bowling strikes and she pays attention to you, but you wanted her attention, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're chasing love indirectly, mm -hmm. right? And it's probably gonna happen. And she goes, wow, that's really cool, all those strikes you're getting. And you go, hey, how about we go on a date? And yeah. she's just like, whoa, he's the one getting the strikes, I'll go on a date. But yeah. you got it by chasing it indirectly. And that goes for anything. So of course, Definitely. that would be so great to be the Starbucks of leadership, obviously. Yeah. But I'm taking this one step at a time and it's more about having impact like I'm right here right now. I care more about this just having a conversation with you and because you're one of my friends and I know every time I talk to you, I'm, I'm coming away with a new nugget that I can use in my life. And that's really important. I use this analogy of a sailboat. Everybody's a sailboat. How, what would you need to get, go anywhere in life if you were a sailboat? What would you need? I would sooner be worried about the passengers than <laughs> food and water. Because I've made analogies about well, I wanted it to be a Q&A, but it's wind if you want to go somewhere and anchor if you didn't want to go anywhere at all. Oh, and you're okay. always going to need... That was over my head, man. <laughs> you're always going to need anchors in your life, those guys that you grew up with that love you no matter what. I gotcha. mean, you could, do, you could be a crit or the criminal activity, and they would <laughs> still be like, no, he didn't do it because I love him so much. You yeah, need yeah, those yeah. anchors in your uh -huh. life, but then your goal should be finding as much wind as possible, right? Anka's wind, and, and I have a lot of guys... And peop guys and gals in my life that are wind, right? And I surround and I find myself not wasting, but investing more time with those wind, right? Because my sailboat's going, whether it's going to be the Starbucks of leadership or it's, uh, it changes over time. It doesn't really matter. But I need to make sure I'm doing a great enough job mm -hmm. surrounding myself with enough wind 
to not only survive, but make these incremental successes. Mm -hmm. And over time, that might happen, yeah. right? Looking back at that third level of leadership, the legacy might happen where somebody goes, oh my God, that guy Glick, he was at Starbucks of leadership, yeah. you know? That'd be cool, but I'm not chasing that directly. I'm, I'm worrying about the day by day, wind that I'm surrounding myself with and the impact and the empathy and kindness that I'm showing an individual, whether mm -hmm. I'm working with them or just meeting them on the street. Yeah, and a lot of times, well, it's with any business or whatever, the when you're in the small organic stages, like you're actually spending time with these people. Like a Tony Robbins, who's like the monster of, of leadership course. talk. Course. He's effective, no doubt about it, especially from a financial s standpoint. Yep. And but people are like, "Oh yeah, he changed my life." Like, did you talk to him personally? No, I was at the the, the auditorium there, four thousand people. Sure, maybe it did. If but I find it hard to believe that you'll ever touch how like like at the personal level. There's right? a lot of research, control group and placebo. Right, and you don't oh, know yeah. what pill you're getting, but it, it always worked for me too. You got the placebo, yeah, right? It's right. like you, are you went to that Tony Robbins thing because you wanted your life to change, right? And then you ah, said, this, see, is, this, is the this you said, oh, that was the reason why it changed. Uh -huh. Yeah, you went there because you wanted your life to change, right? And then that just blasted the door open yeah, for yeah, you, yeah. right? You, you teed yourself up. But people finding like, oh, I didn't go to the gym today because this, right? There's two types of people in this world, Matt. Those that find an excuse and those that find a way. Mm -hmm. And it's the easiest thing in the world to find an excuse. It's very, very easy. Hey, Mark, uh, uh, come uh, hang out with me today. No, no. I don't know if you've seen the... No, I got to do a podcast. Yeah, I got to do a podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the New York Times article about the golden age of bailing. That's the name of it. Um, this guy will have a commitment. Guy or gal will have a commitment for a month, and then 20 minutes before the commitment happens, he'll be like, can't make it, sorry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what? Yeah. No. So that Golden Age of Bailing talks about that our society has turned into yeah. so easy to back out of something yes. really quickly with the exactly. text. Yeah. So it's very, very important, at least to me, that if I have to bail on something, I'm following up with a, no, but I want to see you on this date. Can we make that happen? Or I'll try to be open to see you on this date. I know I can't make this. Yeah. I'm really sorry about it. Uh, you know, I think my biggest strength is also my biggest weakness in that I do things with conviction. Like I'll be, boom, oh, we're gonna hike a mountain, we're gonna hike the highest mountain today. Yeah. But that also has led to me losing weak relationships. You know, it's just, it is what it is because uh, I do something with such conviction, there's that balance, you know, you're gonna lose things on the back end of it. Um, but. Yeah, going off of that, it's more about the, the, the conviction that I have mm -hmm. is, is, a, is a blessing and a curse in terms of uh, what yeah, it the, allows the, me to do. It is the, we are the age of, uh, I'm sure it'll bailing. only get worse, right? I mean, definitely. Because we still have half the people, which is like, even me, I'm 29, I'm not like old, but. You're an old soul, though, man. You're, well, you're I'm also like, really, uh, I'm disgruntled and, and turned off by the fact <laughs> that, like, um,. <laughs> technology like you know what I mean phones are ubiquitous and like I said that people spend so much time on them and like but I also like them so it's not like I'm never using my phone so I don't want to be a hypocrite but I'm right. disgruntled by people who just overuse it and that's going to be gone the generation behind us the norm is going to be always on your phone all the time like maybe there'll be a, 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 a downturn again where people realize that it's a pure form of you know like just look actually 
Elon Musk is working on the brain yeah, and interface. Crazy. That's <laughs> really crazy. Yeah. That's really, but it's more about the, like, what, are you, what are you giving your energy to? And it should be a few things. Like, you should be really, really polar about a few things in your life. Yeah. Like, why are you so polar about Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks? Who cares? Like, stop starting an argument right now. It's like, yes. don't. And don't, try don't bring to, that negativity yeah. in my life. I don't want to talk about that to the extent that you want to. But if you want to talk about, because this is an important topic, how mm-hmm. many people are, are looking at their phone rather than investing in a relationship. I mean, there's like things that I've heard where it's like um, a kindergarten kindergartner was told to spell the word love and he spelled it T-I-M-E. Who's to say he's wrong, right? If their parent is not spending time with them, mm-hmm. the, the, the parent obviously loves something else more because that's what the time is going to, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I like that point you brought up much earlier is about that time because what you do with your time is what you do with your life, period, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you going to invest it? To emulate in what, right? That's why I asked you the question about, well, what are you watching? Well, the exa- not film, well that's why, like, what I, are you actually, taking my into brother life? just texted me earlier and was like, have you watched Euphoria, I think it's called. It's a Netflix show. But, like, if I hear that a show's good and... That it's almost m- I'm less likely to get involved because I know how much time it is. So people are like, "If you watch Game of Thrones, it's really good." I'm like, "That's I just do the, run the numbers." I'm like, "If I really want to keep up, it's gonna be this much of my right. time." It doesn't really matter to me. I'd rather just like watch what I want to watch or read what I want to read. So like, if you push me hard to watch something that it's so good, oh. it's almost like I don't want to take that first hit because then I'm like, "Well, I gotta watch the next episode." And that's more of my time. You know what I mean? Right. So it's that like, has a lot to do with people chasing it directly. Let's get Matt to watch this Game of Thrones, just like all of us. Well, if you want Matt to do it, you better find that indirect way, right? Exactly. Invite yeah. him over. Don't tell him Game <laughs> tell of Thrones him is bad. going on. Tell yeah. him it's bad. Tell him not to tell watch him it's bad. But, but uh, yeah, I try. I, I don't invest my time. I don't sign up for anything that I know is good unless it's like kind of a puzzle piece to where I'm headed. It's sure. like if it's just like good, really good fiction, but it's like hours and hours and hours, it better be a book. It can't be a show. It has like a, to you know be what good, I mean? Right? I don't, five episodes? I love these like five episode Netflix things. It's like yeah. an elongated movie, and I know that like the writer got a little bit more time yeah. to yeah, you sure. know fluff it up. Yep. And but it's five episodes. Yeah. It's not like, oh, damn, that was good. When's the next season? <laughs> it's like that's more of my time. Well, people don't like me because I, I wait for the whole season to be done. I binge the whole thing all in one swoop, like just one mega hit. Like, oh, you don't like the conversation throughout the week of what might happen, and I'm because like, <laughs> you're doing it for you. You're not doing, doing it big. Do you hear what happened to Jon Snow? <laughs> no, but I do that because it's like uh, there are very few things that I want to have like a engaging argument about that might just anchor me somewhere right I don't like people get so up in arms about the craziest things these days you know it's like are you really fighting about that it's like really not that big of a deal yeah. right there's there's there are things that are big deals but I like that I love I would never recommend it to a dear friend or a family member but when I see people you know worrying about that good you're not talking to me I'm right. gonna do this over here and like I if I am not your friend my advice would be don't do it but Listen, I'm winning that race then. Oh, you know what I mean? If you're spending time doing that, and I know that literally hundreds of millions of people have spent how many hours they have on, say, Game of Thrones, I'm that many hours up. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what I mean? It's like, true. that's a fact. It's and true. granted, I waste my time, and I find other ways to, to, blo- waste. to waste time. Yeah. But I try to minimize it in a way where right. I feel like the you haven't watched it is a big pressure in our, like, right. trends are so big that you're like, oh man, I better check this out. 
There right. goes your hours. Well, what I'm thinking about when you when you say that is, um, like when I talk to my clients, just about what they did today. I don't want them to ever have anxiety that they didn't work hard or something like that. It's like I just want to know: Did you invest your time? Even if it was a half hour, did you invest yeah. your time in trying to get better somewhere? Uh-huh. Right? It shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel this overwhelming guilt when I ask you that question. You yeah. never should be like that. So I don't push in that regard. Um, but there's a great dichotomy that I love to talk about. Discipline and freedom. And when you hear discipline, you think about the three-year-old in the corner getting punished. He's in timeout getting disciplined, right? But then if you look at, do a little deeper dive on discipline and you keep showing up at the gym and you do this, if you have enough discipline to routine your day between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., how much freedom do you have the rest of the day, right? For sure. And right? you could have a half hour in there to where you don't do anything. You are think actually, about that. Oh, from 8 to 8.30, I routinely take time off. There's a discipline to allocating time to not do hard work, sure. which in and of itself is a discipline, right. which is actually, you can, if you try to work so hard and like do stuff all the time, you have to do that. Right. It's like a kind of an irony to it where sure. it's like, all right, well, I need to peg out eight to nine in the morning where like, I won't be like doing something. Well, yeah. I, like, I, I don't like to use personal examples too much, but here's a personal example of how I map out my week. I know people that do it down to the 15 minutes a day. I mean, you're crazy. I mean, what yeah. are you doing? But you also shouldn't have three things. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to go to bed. That's terrible, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm a big proponent of having eight to ten things. And I, every single uh, Saturday or Sunday, I'll make, whether it's on my phone or at my desk, I'll have all the things that I know I'm going to have to do throughout the week, and I'll be able to scratch them off. And then when, what, like you said, 30 minutes off, mm-hmm. I put a bracket that means spend quality time doing whatever you want. Yeah, right? is whatever that one of the eight to ten things? T- the it, time off? It's there's a lot of brackets in there, so you you'll see. No, no, okay. those like eight to ten things that I should do. Eight to ten is excessive. If people can start with six, yeah, well, it's, it's if, also, if people can start with six, that's great. You yeah. know, and like but get, even, get what, something so done. So say, say I'm writing a story and it, it's something that takes a year to do. I don't have eight to ten things. Uh, sometimes I do. Well, I work here. Well, you could put like Art. write for two hours, and then the next one could be like take a break and then write for two hours. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can I'm have just, the same gotcha. one. or it gets monotonous. There's really something great about being able to scratch out that task, even if it's like the, oh, the, for the sure. story. Like, yeah. You, oh, 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 I'll um, do something. Make your bed type of thing. It's like, boom, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm doing well today. I'll literally take a like, shower. But boom, oh, my gosh. I'm doing well today. Call to get a fridge. I, I needed to get a fridge for <laughs> my apartment. I called, I got the fridge, and then like on my to-do list, it's already done. I already did it. Call to get the fridge, scratch it oh, out. It's like good feeling. Retro, yeah, retroactively <laughs> just to get that scratch in. So yeah. there's something psychological. You definitely had a pop after that. You're like, I called. Yeah. I, called get, I went and I, I hit that hero. Um, all right. Well, we've been chatting for over two hours now. But you, let's just round this back to what you're doing out here. You're in Los Angeles because you're a PLL All-Star. Yep. Have you been an all-star before in the MLL? No, I was mid-season selection, but never made it. Um, so this is your first, first go. One. Is that are you? You're oh, yeah, pumped I'm about very it. excited. Yeah. Very excited. Do you, do you feel that you're like this has been a climb and an evolution, or that um, you probably could have been an all-star previously? And no, I think it has been a climb and an evolution because since since leaving uh, Manhattan and going all in on peak performance, it uh-huh. has leaked into my life and made me a better athlete. Like two two years ago, I wouldn't say I'm even close to how how in shape uh-huh. mentally and physically I am I'm, I'm ready to tackle it so I would say it has been ev- evolution and um, I don't look back you know but now I'm, I'm I think I'm ready to be an all-star and stay one you know yeah. like and I want to 
do bigger and better things with it. So yeah. Um, well, like I said, you're you are. I mean, definitely not as big a name as your talent. I appreciate like that. Like your talent should breed more people knowing about it. I appreciate which it. Which is why I led with that and. You making the All-Star game probably, feel, to me, feels like maybe, and who cares about recognition? Like, I don't, it's, it's important, so I don't want it to be like, now you're going to get recognized. Right. But, like, now you are. People are starting to realize how good of a player right. you are, which is cool. And yep. obviously we went to the same college, yeah. so there's the pride of seeing a And the boys, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a fellow, a fellow it's uh, exciting. bulldog. It's exciting. Well. Yeah, I really um, appreciate you having me on here, man. It's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I have to look down at this timer here to like see how long we've been chatting, and it What's just it it feels like ten minutes. But I mean, it's been two hours. That's how <laughs> you know it's like. I don't know if you've read. I don't know if you've read this. Have you read this? No. Okay, good. It's the last lecture by this guy. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Randy Posh or Pausch. Ooh. He's since, and this isn't a spoiler because I he, actually saw his video. Was oh, this a video or no? Okay, yeah. So this Similar is. Oh, so you know somewhat. Of, I have a backup book if you don't want to read that no, one. I'm more than happy to. He starts his speech off doing clap push ups. Yeah, exactly. He's dying of cancer. Yes. Um, oh, and I read that. your blog about you so that much. you had grown close to uh, to Bern, to Coach Bernhardt. Yeah, um, that was. That so, was tough, man. That was so real tough. That I was looking through my books, and I was like, that kind of reminds me of that. And he's got a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah. And for yeah. viewers, it's a book about a guy who finds out he's dying of cancer. So yep. he gives one last lecture, kind of consolidating his outlook on life, Huge. really. And he, he wrote this book, I think after the success of that lecture. It's wrote really, the book. Really awesome. I really appreciate. But uh, it. I actually haven't said this to the previous guest, but if when you're done, you want to mail it back. To me. <laughs> no, no, I will. That would be cool I because uh, I'm really big into reading a book and then I put a message in here and send it back. Yeah. And okay. It makes you Shoot. Feel I gotta good. do that. I gotta. It makes write you feel a real good. You know? Yeah. And it's also there's a prideful thing about reading books because then you collect them and you're like, these are all the books I've read. All the books I've read. But it's yeah. one of the only things that I collect. I spend about half my income on books and vitamins. So I don't think those are those are uh, expense that you should be willing. They to are. Pay. That's an investment. Oh, I don't bat an eye. But how about those people that stay reading a book that they don't like? I'm like, what are you do? You you're going. 250 yeah. pages deep into a book you knew you didn't exactly. like at page 16. Yeah, stop the upload. Upload failed. Upload page 10 pages failed. in. Right, and maybe you. at a different point in your life it might be more impactful, right? Yeah. But why are you being like Check so... Check back in. I think know, a good stubborn. way to round this out would be to... Rigatoni, rag and easy. He just wants the ramen. Just to have a sushi dinner. He still wants the ramen. I don't